Welcome to and Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And at least it's not cats. We're looking at Into the Woods. <laughs> for better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Jo, how are you doing today? You know, if you had told 13-year-old Amy Jo Jackson that there uh-huh. would be a film version of their favorite Broadway musical, yeah. and this would only be the second time they bothered to watch it. I mean, Ooh. I would have been shocked, but <laughs> watching it again for this, I was like, oh, I remember why I never rewatched this, uh, yeah. because, I, because I loved the musical so much. <laughs> So I'm I'm okay. I'm still reeling with irritation, though. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And how are you, Jeff? I am good. This was also my, only my second time watching this film, though I had watched the recording of that original Broadway cast many oh, a time. In no, 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 no. We're we're not speaking of the PBSs, though. It's the, like obviously I've watched that. I can't tell you how my, my brother and I watched that so many times. I used to be able to sing both the Broadway cast recording version of a song and the the recording, the live capture recording, because, you oh. know, obviously they're making different choices in those. So I you, I could do back oh. in the day when I was very familiar, both I, I knew them both so well, I could give you the different inflective patterns that they made. Um, Were they my different- brother and I lyric changes or any kind no. like that? Well, just- there's, I think actually, if I'm remembering correctly, there's like uh, a little bit in like, uh, in, in, in maybe any moment, there's a little bit on the recording that's not in the live version. Again, it, it's been a minute since I've like been so ham about this kind of thing. So, <laughs> but there, there's, um, a little bit of, there's, uh, you know, some dialogue elisions mm-hmm. here and there and, and that sort of thing that does, that isn't in, you know, the, in the full show is more expanded, but no more just like where they take a breath, kind of like how they're inflecting right. the thing. Oh, like it's different because it. it's yeah. live versus one they recorded one day in studio. My yeah. brother and I watched it so many times. One time we watched it through just to see where their mics were placed. Like, I kid you not. We're like, oh, let's try and find all their mics because, you know, Bernadette switches her wig. So like does her mic switch places? We yeah. can't see the wi- we can't see the mics on the princes. Are they actually like on the costume or are they on their heads and we just can't see them? Like we. <laughs> we, we is that why Cinderella's prince's hair is all like Eddie Redmayne in Les Mis where it's all like gel? Is it Eddie Redmayne to- in Les Mis or is Eddie Redmayne doing a Robert Westenberg? I think is the I more mean- appropriate question. Excellent point. Excellent point. Yes, and with Les, that Les Mis movie, all the every single one of those songs has to be a close up, two inches away from the actor's face. So you really got to hide those mics. Yeah, well, they're or you're just using boom mics because you're uh, using you're a so boom and then you, you, there's you no have a need. mic. Then there's not the, a single wide shot. Are, well, no, they're on the bodies in different places. Oh, there are for Russell Crowe. And they're like, get <laughs> us away from this. Um, but that's not the movie we're talking about. Les Mis. I think it makes different sins than this movie makes. You know what I mean? But um... I agree. I agree. And we're talking about Into the Woods. So real quick before we get into it, listener, don't forget, as always, like, subscribe, write a review. 
tell a friend. And of course, be sure to check out our new Patreon, patreon.com slash and almost starring, um, where in the already, I mean, for $3 a month, you're getting every episode on the main feed a day early. For $5 a month, you are getting brand, a brand new episode each month, including we have uh, full-length watch-along commentaries on The Fly and Jaws, a bonus episode on Thor Ragnarok, and this month, a full-length watch-along commentary, three hours long on Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Theatrical cut. Which I don't mention on that Patreon episode, but we were doing because of this new Lord of the Rings show that Amazon Prime is power. doing with young Galadriel, which I'm, yeah. I don't know who this is for, but we'll see. We'll see if people are, are watching. This is, this is a discussion I have had already with three different friends being like, do, <laughs> do, we, do we watch this or do we fear this? What do we do about this? Oh, um, two, two of those people have been on this podcast that I have had that conversation <laughs> with. Listener, so. we'll let you guess which two it is. Uh, yep. uh, all right. So Into the Woods came out on December 25th. 2014 and was directed by Rob Marshall and written by James Lapine. Imajo, what is your experience with Into the Woods? Uh, we'll end the movie and the show. We've already been started talking about the show, but uh, had you seen it before? Yeah, I saw this movie in theaters. With me! Because I, I felt like I should, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I have seen this on stage I don't know, probably 10 times, you know, like, wow, just and I'm talking like (laughs) that includes some really bad, like community theater productions that Mm. my brother and I would drive to. We would hear someone in, you know, Greeley is doing a production of Into the Woods. (laughs) Let's go. You know, we got to get to Greeley. We got to get to we got to get to Greeley, Colorado. Um, So. I've done it. I've played the baker's wife, um, which we can get into that later, that we should save those stories for later. But quite infamously, I have been in a production of Into the Woods. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I've seen it a bunch of times. I saw the Broadway revival with Vanessa Williams. I saw this most recent Broadway revival um, that is that was a transfer from City Center. Um, I saw the production in the park with Donna Murphy and Amy Adams. I have seen, yeah, many terrible productions i was in a terrible production i was in a traumatic production as well um Mm -hmm. but um yeah i love this show it's so even watching this movie part of what irritated me was feeling like oh they're missing so much of what makes this show so brilliant which is leaning into the moral ambiguity like to it's so brilliant to take these fairy tale characters and then plant seeds really in act one that come <laughs> that grow into giant beanstalks in Act Two, um, where where we take these characters that are archetypes, and they become these deeply complex, flawed humans. And it's not that that's not still present in the movie, but they've softened a lot of those edges, and they've cut some of the numbers that really like vivify that. And mm-hmm. yeah, and basically, yeah, like soften soften the corners on some of the things that it's like no. No, the, you're missing the point. It's like only doing act one of the show. Um, they might as well have titled this Into the Woods Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Into the Woods Teen Miss. You know, it's right. just, it's ta- uh, emphasis on the miss. Um, yeah. I, I'm, after I watched it for this podcast, I went and 
rewatched the trailer for the film. And then I made the mistake of going down the rabbit hole of watching clips from that PBS recording and being like, Ugh. ooh, why couldn't we just get this? It's they should just release that in theaters. It's so perfect. Like, it's it's so, so perfect that it makes it very difficult to watch. And this is the thing that I didn't realize when I was younger. That's what makes it so hard to watch a production of Into the Woods is the first one was so uh, perfectly sculpted for all those actors and they all knew what show they were in and it was just so magical yeah. and and other other productions have come close this this revival i think everyone is talking about it like it's the second coming of christ i think it's pretty good i enjoyed it i had a good time um but uh, but i still think it's so hard to touch that original because it mm-hmm. was just so well done and then right. you watch this movie and you're like did this need to happen right this trailer the trailer has james corden saying if we're gonna get through this we're gonna no. get through this together and i'm no. like this the trailer yeah, though, that's the su- musical theater community's response right. to this the tra- film the trailer does surprisingly have Anna Kendrick going, why did you stray? And Chris Pine, then the great line of, I was raised to be charming, not sincere. But that's a trailer line, which I was like, I guess that's, they're trying to be like, hey, this isn't like your reg, this isn't just it's a also just, of fairy tales. It's this one is of the best be... lines from the whole show. Um, oh, of course. But I mean, you could, you could have just had that line without Anna Kendrick. Why did you stray in the trailer, which I was surprised yeah. by, as that is kind of a plot point late in the film but yeah. i was like did appreciate at least that is like oh maybe this is even though this is pg i don't know it's just so weird we'll get into it, it uh, uh, let's uh, do it <laughs> let's do it um and yeah i had seen this the one time in movie theaters with you and then rewatched it just a night or two ago and i had i've only seen a live production once which was an absolutely dreadful community theater production. It often is. Yeah. The main thing I I remember nothing about it except that the set was this massive, ugly-looking tree that took up about a third of the center stage, and between every single one of these little scenelets, because in the show it's like it's a fast-moving show. It's like people are constantly you're coming on, you're having four lines, and they yeah. run off. Because very we're all, Shakespearean in that way. Yes, we're all in the woods. And in this show, it was, you know, whoever, Cinderella and Baker's wife are on. They have three lines. They run off. And then stagehands come on and move this big tree, (laughs) creaking it around because it's on like a little turntable. And they turn it to show you a different side that looks identical of this big, ugly, brown paper mache tree. Um, that's just a big column. Uh, and like, can't you even give like a little owl hole or something in one side? But they just crank it around to show oh, you a different no. side to be like, this is a different part of the woods. And now in comes Little Red and the Baker. And I'm like, this was so unnecessary. And you have turned what could have been a blissful two hours and 40 minutes into an interminable <laughs> three hours and five. <laughs> I saw a high school production once at Haltom High School in Texas where... Because, you know, it's a, it's a decent cast for a high school, but it doesn't really have a large ensemble. So it's like where you add people. The ensemble is all playing trees. Oh, <laughs> they were no. all like dancing, moving trees and body stockings. And I was like, oof, glad I'm not a tree in this production. You know? <laughs> Always glad. Unless you're doing Lord of the Rings the musical, be glad you're not a tree. Then you want, you want, maybe you want to be an Ent. Maybe. Maybe, you, maybe you're just wanting to be tree beard, dang it. Absolutely. Uh, so spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen Into the Woods or you haven't seen it in a while, here's a brief 
ish synopsis and i feel like we can talk about most of this in the context of the individual characters i'm gonna pretty much just try to, to stay silent and like <laughs> do this because otherwise we'll be here all day and all night right right but like the basic setup of the film is the first half is like a traditional fairy tale of sorts but you're just getting everyone with this connective tissue is this baker and baker's wife who desperately want to have a child they cannot and they're the only like invented characters specifically for this property the rest are all fairy tale characters you're familiar with right um and meryl streep is this witch is come is bursts in <laughs> her entrances and exits oh my had me cackling <laughs> I every single time i was like well way to way to make an entrance it's just you're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off right <laughs> she she keeps coming in and out of this movie like a video game cutscene. like she just like swings down from a tree or she'll just like boom and your door's kicked in and that it's it made me laugh every single time um but she says oh you know you can't have kids because i your father stole some beans from my garden so i put a curse on him because turns out you're tied you. to the rapunzel story without even realizing it because your sister's rapunzel and your dad you know stole my beans your dad stole my beans <laughs> um Yes, yeah, so they have to go collect all these things for the witch in order to release the curse, and they have to collect a cow as, the cow white, as, is milk. White as milk. The cow is white as milk. The cape is red as blood. The hair is yellow as corn. The slipper is pure as gold. And that ties into all of these little mini stories that we get. So the cow is white as milk. We've got Jack and his mother, uh, which leads us to Jack and the Beanstalk. We have the cape is red as blood. We have the baker. We have little red, the little red riding hood, who the baker is the one that helps, like, get her out of the wolf's belly which oh quick 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 mm -hmm. note they call him in the narration the big bad wolf i'm sorry canonically the big bad wolf is from the three little pigs the wolf in red riding Hood is just called the wolf he's not the big bad wolf they do they call him the big bad wolf in uh James yeah Gordon's like Gordon's narration. narration yes and then he's credited as the big bad wolf oh uh, really which, yes and oh, i was weird. just like but that's 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 the wrong fairy tale um <laughs> That's there's a famously a song that pigs sing about him, but sure. <laughs> we should have had some talking, dancing pigs. In oh, this movie. look, trust in the in the revival in the 2000. I think it's 2002 revival. There are versions where they have three little pigs. They made some edits that I was not oh, thrilled with for brother. the 2002 revival. And I was like, please don't do these edits for the movie. And they didn't. But mm. there were three little pigs and <laughs> oof you know um yeah they have to get the hair as yellow as corn which ties us into rapunzel who the witch has been looking after and is now pretty much a mother figure too looking uh, after is a strong word kidnapped, kidnapped. and raised well, in a yeah. tower uh yeah and the slipper is pure as gold which gives us the cinderella story as she keeps you know the whole it's just cinderella you know have the deal she goes to the ball she gets away it. from the ball the prince has got to get one of them glass slippers, um, or in this case, gold slippers. Um, and at the midpoint, they Baker and the Baker's wife, they finally get all these things. They get pregnant. Everyone gets their happy ending. And then, and also Jack has killed one giant by chopping down the beanstalk. But a second beanstalk has grown from this one additional bean. And now the Francis de la Tour, the oh. giant's wife, this bereaved giant who's yeah. just trying to get revenge for her dead husband and is trying to find this little thief who has stolen all her gold killed her husband and you know uh honestly the hero of the film in my opinion i, I wish she squished them all again moral 
ambiguity. Yeah, which we, that's what our second half is, is we're kind of getting yeah. into like, we see like, oh, Cinderella's prince is, is like seduces the baker's wife. The, every the baker is like, from the jump is kind of like, I don't know if I'll be a good father. And now he's really like, I can't, I don't even want to hold him. Like, I can't. I don't even he's think almost abandoning his son at different times. They really took there's there's the whole thread in the stage show where there's an an actual narrator that isn't the baker, which I I will say in theory I don't mind the baker doing the the VO narration because it does tie us into the end and in a way that like on stage you couldn't do that but in a movie I'm like I get it, but I hate that we get rid of the father as this like mysterious old man running throughout the the story trying to make things right i miss that i want that like um again it just adds to the complexity it was like he doesn't even recognize his father because that's how long it's been since he's seen him and and so that i want this like reveal later on rather than like talking to again a force ghost um i i just i don't know i i i want that i miss that and um i feel like that would have been valuable to us instead of his lines get distributed between all the different characters right see i actually do miss the narration and i think you can i would still... prefer i would prefer a narrator but i'm saying i understand the choice to make it the baker and i don't in in theory i don't hate it i wish it were done better um, totally because in the stage show if you've not seen the stage show listener there is like like especially, at least in the original he is like a just wearing a suit and glasses yeah. and it, it's it's so we're already breaking from the world of this piece like in such a fun manner that he as he can comment on what's happening until we right. get to act two and they like are addressing him directly and i think don't they feed him to the giant or yeah they they well i mean she doesn't eat him but like she, well, yeah, you she know pay, I mean. they say like this is the lad and they he's like you'll never know how your story <laughs> ends and then she like is like this is not the lad and she drops him um because i think yeah you, can, you should still have and i think honestly get some actor we show him and then he could just be mainly voiceover and and you could have like the specifically the witch just be like, you know, volleying with him just ought, like as if he's just this omnipresent voice. Or maybe you do see him and then you get him squished by the giant. Like we need that to show like this is funny. There's a lot there, that's that, funny. This, in this is show. so cloyingly earnest. The takes yeah. on all of these lines that should be hilarious but especially you know? if you have the narrator for in the beginning this first half that is more traditional fairy tale then yeah. to have james corden at the end take over as the narrator and you see that like if his narration right it is, has is more, more impact but also for those few listeners who don't know in the stage show the narrator doubles with the quote-unquote mysterious man who is actually revealed to be the baker's father so he is actually taking on the mantle of narrator he's taking on this like paternal lineage type thing he is taking like it is beautifully thematically done and i get that it's harder to do in a movie but i think they could have tried a little harder totally but my point is that you can have the narrator in the beginning who is like really making this seem like this is this is your mother's fairy tale and then james corden his narration can be starting the story over again with the like here's the real version to be like every we were we were all people you know mm-hmm. to hide instead yeah. of being like the whole story is from him all along um anyway blah 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 long story short this giant a lot of a lot of characters get squished or in baker's wife case just falls to her death well in in the stage show uh, the understanding is that like she's like gets crushed by some trees or something yeah. and and jack or, or or squash like jack says he buried her in a footprint you know but right. i think she's crushed by trees 
Well, as far as the film goes, everyone pretty much gets squished, dies, or in the witch's case, decides it, to sink into a well, pile it, of bubbling oil. Here's the thing. Rapunzel in the stage show dies. Oh, true. It, yeah. In that scene where they they send the narrator to Jack's mother, the narrator, and Rapunzel all die in that one scene. So, like, when Rapunzel, I, I love that, like, Rapunzel, like, chooses, which, I mean, happens in the stage show, but in a different way. But I love that she's just like, no, I never want to see you again. However, the, all these lines that the witch has about death and about mourning and about grief and about children make no sense or less sense. It's just less impactful if she says a line like, when you're dead, you're dead. Yeah. Like if if she actually has an exp- like for her to basically choose to like, you know, die or like go back to some state uh, that she doesn't want to be in makes a lot more sense if she's like deep in grief from this death, not just from this place of like my daughter doesn't want to see me anymore. Because to me, that means there's still a chance that she could reconnect with her as opposed to like she died before we could make up or or before i could like figure out how to actually be a, a good mother and just yeah. like i i get it but also i'm like no it doesn't it, it's like no. they did it and it has no impact on the following events anyway i i want like chris hemsworth dying in cabin in the woods i want rapunzel and rapunzel's prince like we're out of here witch we're never gonna see you again and as they start immediately start to ride off on this horse the score gets triumphant and they immediately get stepped on by a giant like i want to undercut that nonsense like that's you know like it's well and since since we don't have an agony reprise which happens in the show which i don't mind that we cut the agony we don't need it um but like since we don't have it rapunzel's prince doesn't have to live you know they could but but yes we want we want to see like the impact of it when this originally came out we were in the middle of the aids crisis in the 2002 revival it was right after 9 11 like in this revival it's like immediately following a pandemic like it's it's that you have all of this loss hanging over like this mass like seemingly arbitrary nonsensical loss and when you take that away it it lessens the impact of what they're all going through and like what we're all going through. By the end, everyone is pretty much out of the film. We have the baker, we have Cinderella, we have Jack and Little Red. And our four little plucky newfound family all team up to slingshot this giant in the head so she falls to her death. I think it works better when this happens off stage. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> No, it's real David and Goliath situation. Yeah. And the baker comforts his little baby son uh, by starting to tell him the story of the film as the movie ends with the witch singing this moral of children children will listen. Will listen. And then uh, the film ends on like a minor key. It just like fades away in a in a way that was feels like the in memoriam section at the oscars (laughs) or something it's the in memoriam section for the film you just watched well and also so the finale of the show is children will listen directly segueing into then what they do over the credits so it actually it's like children will listen it doesn't really resolve though it's fearful though it's deep though it's dark it's like it goes right into that now i get that we've taken out some of the more theatrical stuff like that i like that at least it's over the credits but it's like the show actually ends with one last i wish like in in a way that is just like yeah humans are never satisfied you know and and like the forward propulsion is still happening even after the fairy tale after the fairy tale is happening but like it instead ends with like clouds and children will listen 
children. I think it goes up something like that. Well, she does say children will listen, like makes it this weird, like arbitrary ending that feels so wrong to anyone who knows the song. It's just like, why are we? It just feels so on Sondheim to end with such a like bow in that way you know what I yeah. mean yeah I mean it is like I get why Sweeney Todd and Into the Woods are the big Sondheim musicals yeah. that were adapted although like, I get there was apparently a little night music and yeah. like the Elizabeth 80s Taylor's or 70s. In, it. in the right, 70s Elizabeth Taylor did. oh oh one thing I did love that they did there's a little night music Easter egg in in this did you hear it I don't know how well you know night music I don't know it so so uh, it. it's it might be my coming up to be like my favorite song time now i love it so mm. much when it cuts to the shot outside the ball mm-hmm. there's music playing that's uh the sunset slow from a little night music and i was just like <gasps> like i was just i completely forgotten they did that and i thought that was a great choice like right the first night of the ball i think uh, when cinderella's mm. about to run out it's a little night music um little reference there for the nerds uh, to make us happy because you've taken everything else from us. <laughs> oh, I love it. And that's the end of our We cut no we'll more, say. but we used eight bars of <laughs> eight bars right, of little right. night music. Isn't that enough for you, you theater nerd? How differently would you feel about the film if it opened with Shelley Duvall introducing the fairy tale theater? <laughs> <laughs> don't think I don't have some fairy tale theater alternate <laughs> casting choices here. Hello, Brilliant. I'm Shelley Duvall, and this I wish fairy tale for theater. tonight's tale. <laughs> and I wish uh, is so- Shelley Duvall with a narrator. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it. Shelley Duvall is a mysterious man. I'd yes, I'd, I'd like Look, it. Look, plenty of mystery <laughs> to go around. Uh, very true. Uh, so the casting directors of Into the Woods were Bernie Telsey, Tiffany Little Canfield, and Francine Maisler. And those Telsey, first two names are big theatrical Big people. theatrical. Yeah. Um, Telsey, six-time Emmy nominee for casting The Big C, Grease Live, This Is Us, Jesus Christ Superstar Live, Fosse Verdon, and Only Murders in the Building. Has also cast such projects as Across the Universe, Smash, and In the Heights. And then... Everything on stage. And everything on stage you can think of. Canfield, a four-time Emmy nominee for casting Grease Live, This Is Us, Fosse Verdon, and Only Murders in the Building, has also cast such projects as Mary Poppins Returns, One Day at a Time, and Atypical. And Maisler, a four-time Emmy nominee for casting Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, Succession, and The Underground Railroad, has also cast such films as The Usual Suspects, Tropic Thunder, 12 Years a Slave, and previous episode, Spider-Man. So let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance. And Amy Jo is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. Mm-hmm. So this is how I have to preface this. There were two versions in the early 90s that were being developed at the same time. Wow, neither wow, of which, wow. of course, came to fruition. Uh, one was was had a script from the writers of League of Their Own that would have been oh. directed by Rob Reiner, which what? love. I mean, it would be very funny. I mean, which I, mean, I would I would like. Get me the director of Princess Bride, please. Yeah. Um, 
so that had a star-studded table read with the intended cast. So I have a lot of mm. options of who would have been in that oh, version specifically. And the other version being developed at the same time would have been directed by Stuart Minkus, who would go on to be the co-director of The Lion King, the OG animated one. Oh. Um, and that would have been a partnership between Columbia and Jim Henson Productions. So Henson ah. would design the animal puppets to perform alongside the actors. So you got the cow, Milky White. I don't know. I, maybe the wolf would have been full puppet, which I'd be really into. I'm interested. I'm More interested. than this zoot suit wearing... Okay community theater Ooh. costume they've put in on Johnny Depp. <laughs> we'll um, in <laughs> in the current, I mean, you know, in the last revival, Chad Kimball kind of rose to prominence by playing Milky White. And in this version, my friend Kennedy absolutely walks away with the show as Milky White. This like puppet is incredible. And his work is just, he's so funny and like really brings it to life. Um, and my That's one great. regret is that his beautiful, beautiful singing voice is barely heard. But um, they don't but, give yeah. a real like a, a a new song for the show. The just moo, vocalizing on moo, 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 moo. <laughs> <laughs> baby, it's moo. <laughs> Nothing. They don't give him like. Oh man, I gotta tell you, when we talk about my production, we yeah. <laughs> how about all of how about names. when we get to the baker's wife? When we talk about the baker's wife, and then, you, great, great, great. And then your, remind yeah. me to talk about all of the alternate titles um that we came up with for all the songs. Absolutely love it so after henson's death in 1990 henson productions remained committed to co-produce the movie with columbia but they all wound up in turnaround and then nothing happened with them until mm-hmm. rob marshall had the idea rob to like maybe let's try another crack at this um yeah. with disney and that to me is like the big problem is this should not be a disney film narp at all um but with disney's backing marshall directed a three-day reading of the screenplay which ultimately convinced them to greenlight the project so i also have a lot of fun actors many of them more broadway people who were part of that reading um though you do have in within that reading james corden anna kendrick christine baranski and tammy blanchard who then all went on to be in the film proper okay so with all that said Let's kick it off with The Baker. So, Amy Jo, your thoughts on James Corden, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? He's, I'll be honest, less offensive to me in this than he is in some other stuff, you know? But it's just, it's it does, I just don't care, and you want to care about this. I mean... Chip Zion is so okay. I'm not. I'm. I'm gonna say my first casting choice for all of these options is the original Broadway <laughs> cast of 1987. So Chip Zion. Regardless that we are more than that, we're like 20, this, almost 30 am years. I'm after, not allowed just, to fantasy. Just cast bring them back. Bring them. Bring them back. Bring them back. Bur- bring back Birdie. Bring, bring back, back Joanna Bernie. Gleason. Bring back Bernie. Um, I'm. I'm just saying maybe this movie was made in 1989. Don't um, say bye so, bye Bernie. Say bring back Bernie. Exactly, that was the joke I was making. Um, a deep cut for you nerds out there. Um, so yes, maybe this movie was made in 1989, and Chip Zion can play the baker. He's fine. He's just so earnest. And they've changed. I will say he's the one who they've changed most of the lines for because they've cut. Um, they cut maybe their magic. They cut no more. Um, and then they've cut all the last midnights and, and, and everything. So there's, there's, you cut a lot of the Baker's journey when you yeah. cut that. So they've replaced it with lines. And then, uh, in the case of no more, which is James Corden crying, um, which I didn't need. <laughs> um, but I wish, I wish that the dialogue that Lapine, you know, put in here was less 
on the nose like mm. like even like in the, they've changed not that many lyrics but enough to irritate me um and at the in the finale like there's the maybe i just wasn't meant to have children don't say that of course you were meant to have children and then the original lyric is like but how can i go about being a father with no one to mother my child and the baker's wife goes things like just call him the child yes call him the child tell him the story of how it all happened be father and mother you'll know what to do and emily blunt hits the end really hard but they've changed that lyric to like but how can i go about being a father basically like when no one modeled it for me like when i didn't have a father to to power it you know something like that and then she they don't change the next lyrics like be father and mother it's like well that is in response to so there's a lot of that that i feel like he is actually not set up well with where they've just like given him really earnest well i don't know my my dad you know um isn't he so so cute isn't he just so sweet that james corden that's all i was getting from this film is like what and it's just sweet lovable guy let's put him on a tv and in movies forever Let's just you put him in what? everything. I say, Who let him love have that? his James Corden. Uh, yeah, and the thing is, it's like he's so great in One Man Two Governors, but it's like a particular kind of humor that is not necessary for this. You no. know, like it's not that at all. So my although he's much better in this than he is as Bustopher Jones in the Cats oh, movie. I-, I can't. Yes, <laughs> eating exactly. garbage and getting his like whacked in the nuts. As you said, at least it's not cats. So like, it's fine. He's he's. So milk toast that you kind of forget about him, which is sad, but at least like he's not getting in the way in that way. He's just not helping. Um, and, and we'll talk, but it's also when you put him against Emily Blunt and you're like, well, uh, here's a real actress who's just. Here's someone who was bringing the thunder. Running and in you circles are, around you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, he's just kind of, yeah, milk toast is the best way I can describe it. So Chip Zion, some other like if this were made more like early 90s, like. I mean, hell, Mandy Patinkin, like uh, Sondheim aficionado, known to film audiences, beautiful singer, incredible actor, like his version of No More, mm. <laughs> I would love to see. Like late 90s or, or early 2000s, honestly, I'd really be interested in a Jack Black take on this. Like uh, he can really sing and he, I think he's a much better actor than Corden. Very yeah. funny, very different than what he especially at the time was doing, but like, I'm very interested in what he would have done with this more kind of contemporary, uh, uh, more in, in, in like that early 2000s vein, like a young Sean Hayes actually. Um, just thinking of someone who's like done Broadway, who is, is a better actor and, and comedian. Um, in, I don't, I didn't see it at city center. I'm suggesting Neil Patrick Harris more because I feel like he could have gotten it made rather than something that I want to see. I got to see Brian Darcy James, who was magnificent. A slightly younger Ewan McGregor, you know, feels mm-hmm. like, you know, kind of in the pocket. Um, a younger Raul Esparza as well. Um, and then if it were made closer to today, uh, like a Jake Gyllenhaal, Taron Edgerton kind of situation. Um, I yeah. Yeah. Think. Yeah, I love that. I I really like the idea of Jake Gyllenhaal. Now that you've said it, I mm-hmm. I really like that idea. Well, um, and we know he's a big theater nerd. Loves Sondheim. He well, yeah. played George in Sunday in the Park and in, in the revival that happened uh, like 2016, 2017. Yeah, the man can really sing. Um, mm-hmm. I also had Hugh McGregor. He does. Yeah, it is wanting someone. It's a it's a little balance. Like I do like because Chip yeah. Sign was so good in that original as this like small clown energy, but who's so. I don't know. He's just it. He vibrates yeah. with want, you know, 
and and with indecision like he's he's bound by like i want so much but i'm afraid and like he doesn't have to articulate like i don't know how to be i mean like you know he says has some of that language but like he doesn't have to say all this text they gave to james corden because he's just like you know he's got so much vibrating under the surface um in terms of people who can Sing. I like the idea of Ewan McGregor. I, I also had Jack Black. I think that if Jack Black, if someone, if the right director with the right project had just taken a chance on him, mm. he could have had a really interesting blend of drama and comedy. Like in how career. Melissa McCarthy has been doing a bit of. Yeah, they, they were like, let's see if she can do, can, can you forgive me? And it was like, oh, she really can. Or just like, you know, not to say that Jack Black has ever hit the comedic heights of Robin Williams, but if someone had been like, what if, and I think we have, I think Jack Black has a few more dramatic turns, but nothing of like, yeah. where he's really being taken seriously as a dramatic actor in a film that really hit, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think he would be fascinating in this role if it was made a little earlier. Um, David Hyde Pierce, I would really like. Oh, I like that. Especially like, yeah, like late 90s kind of, a 90s yeah. version of this. If, yeah. they fig- if they were developing, cause movies take forever to develop, if they were developing this in the early 90s and they finally get it like 1999s into the woods. That's with beautiful. The, you know, still That's a beautiful casting choice. Hot on Frasier, David Hyde Pierce. The man has done Broadway. The man can sing. He's um, won a Tony. He's, he's so Tony. funny in curtains. Oh, yeah. he's just so charming. And just apparently like the nicest guy. So there's also that, which we yeah. love. And if this is made today, I could see the Andrew Garfield version of this. I mean, he's so good at oh, Tick, Tick, Boom. The man can, I can sing. I can see that for but sure. I acting like just from a character point, I think he'd be very good. Oh, actually thinking about he's now starting to kind of like age into a place where it feels like it'd be right for him. Just thinking of his Tick, Tick, Boom co-star Robin Jesus is sure. a really fine actor that, yeah. I, and, and very funny. Um, that could be interesting. I mean, he's like a natural jack but he's now aged out of that i mean i saw him play bach on on broadway and wicked a few years back like that feels like a you grow up from jack into a bach into it you know <laughs> totally we'll talk though i think that uh jack should i I, w- I would love if jack was played by a man in his 30s honestly so i think Robert well Jesus kind of like uh, ben what's his face who plays the in the original version exactly um now as for the actors who were actually considered for the rob reiner version it would have been robin williams Okay, we're talking right after Dead Poet Society. Yeah. We're talking, we're, now we're talking. We are know. talking. In the Columbia Henson version, it would have probably been Billy Crystal. Oh, that, it's also so interesting because it's so close on the heels of the Broadway version that like, Billy Crystal does make sense as like the kind of like movie version of Chip Zion insofar as 100 percent a short curly haired Jewish comedian you know Mm -hmm. um that's really really interesting I I was talking to someone a while back about like how casting choices that are made in an original production of something then trickle down into every production that follows so like there's no reason that the baker has to be i mean there's one line that the steward says like this small man but like <laughs> that does that can mean a lot of things right um so the the baker's for many many years has been cast very small and then the baker's wife taller just because that's how they cast chip zion and joanna gleason so it makes sense that they'd be like oh billy crystal is like right. the the hollywood version of of a lot of what you get with chip zion that's so funny. And then the rest of these are all considered for the Rob Marshall version. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Carrey was considered. Oh. Which I could see if this was a little 
earlier yeah. made. If this was like an early to mid aughts, like I, I can see that. It feels like at this point it's not. 2014, he was doing the Dumb and Dumber sequel. So it feels like this is, I feel like that was, although you know what? Maybe if he had done Into the Woods, even though we clearly, listener, are not huge fans of this film. If he had done it instead of the Dumb and Dumber sequel, maybe Jim Carrey wouldn't be so over the film industry now. Maybe that would have given him like, I got to do something wildly yeah, different than anyone that ever I, lets me do. That I enjoyed, maybe, you know. Yeah. I like that Matthew Broderick was considered. Oh, oh, I like that so much. And he does have such a sad, like, hangdog energy yes. nowadays. But because like, I just want a bit of a bit more. It, it, it is that push and pull of the like it's the down up energy that he needs to be like chips. I yeah. like Billy Crystal would have of this, like uh, just a more vibration in this character. But I like the idea of Matthew Broderick temperamentally. Yeah. J- Johnny Depp was also considered for the Baker. I pass. Eh, eh. Dennis O'Hare was considered. Oh yeah. Which well, he did it in the park with Amy Adams. Did. Yes. Yeah. And Donna Murphy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, f- I, I mean, TV audiences will know him from American Horror Story and True Blood and This Is Us. And, you know, he's an amazing, amazing Broadway actor. Um, I'll be honest. I didn't love that production in the park for like mm -hmm. myriad reasons, but he was very good. I don't I don't think his singing voice is that strong, but I don't know how much it really matters for the baker. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I've, I've listened to the Assassin's Broadway cast recording with him so many times, which is primarily what I have heard him in. Weirdly, so weirdly i was yesterday listening to like three different versions of um rhythm of life from sweet charity and i listened to that he was in that revival saw the oscar role oh you did Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i'm gonna go on record as i hated the arrangement i was like oh (laughs) we don't need this but he was singing in that so i like just heard his voice in my head and i was like i don't know how much this is supposed to be like funny or this is him like really really singing but um yeah but, you know, they auto-tuned the crap out of Johnny Depp, so I'm sure they would do it for him. <laughs> well, in the movies, I mean, that's the thing. You know, of course, we're always going to be prioritizing, I feel like, stardom, then acting, yeah. then singing, as far as our movie musicals go. Sure. Um, which, and I would, and then- I, would, I would always rather have a strong actor than the best singer, but when you're on stage, you still get to hear all the, like vulnerability in the imperfections in a voice and they just don't keep those in these movies it seems like they yeah. smooth them out for the most part so which is why i really like like lilla crawford you can tell there's who plays little red in this movie there's like virtually no like correction done on her like she's yeah. just that is just like a clear voice that is in tune and it has texture <laughs> unlike johnny depp which is like we've smoothed it out because he must be flat on every note because they've had to like correct it doesn't sound like a human anymore you know so if they well, would he let... is not a human he's a wolf so oh, maybe that's maybe that's i why. forgot <laughs> wolves famously auto-tuned <laughs> um yeah didn't you know howlin wolf always auto-tuned oh wow uh, i've really learned something today we all have listener i think uh neil patrick harris was considered so a little ding totally. ding ding to you amy joe which i totally get although yeah. i mean honestly I'd rather have him as a prince. I think he'd be very funny as a smarmy piece of crap prince. Yeah, yeah. But Isn't that How I Met Your Mother? Isn't that the, the It's vibe? very How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Colin Firth was considered, which oh, I, like, I like, but I'm that. also like maybe 10 years before the 20, if this was a 2004 movie, yeah. 2014 just seems a little old 
for me. I do, yeah, yeah, probably. Um, that's so funny. I'm just now thinking about Pierce Brosnan and Mamma Mia. Speaking of uh, non-singers oh, in oh an acting role. Oh boy. Oh yeah, I forgot Colin Firth is in that Mamma Mia. Yeah. Uh, instead, in 2014, he had this Woody Allen movie, Magic in the Moonlight. Uh, this memento ripoff with Nicole Kidman before I go to sleep and uh, the Kingsman, which I do think for the most part is a pretty fun action movie with uh, Taron Egerton, Egerton. of him. Um, but yeah, I think you're so Taron Egerton will be so good. I mean, he's so good in rocket man. He's so good. In rocket he, can man he can really sing. And I feel like he's just got more um, underbelly than, yeah. than Corden does as an actor, you know, like there's just more churn there um, and more drive, uh, like everything that he's doing in rocket man would serve him really well in this. I agree. Um, oh, and I had a page break in my notes. So there actually is one other person who in this, I'm like, please, please, please. Why couldn't we have gotten John C. Riley? Uh, have you seen GQ just dropped like a photo shoot and everything on like him and his son? Because no. his son is now some like model actor oh. person. Uh, we should, we'll post it to our stories when this comes out. But they did a photo shoot together and it is so fun because john c Riley is like his curly massive hair right. and then like his son is like hey i'm a model <laughs> it's just so oh, char- something about like the the unexpected clash of the two of them is so charming but john c Riley is a great choice Temperament. Oh, yeah, I'm looking this up right now. The curious story of John C. Riley and his talented son, Leo, which implies that John C. Riley's not talented. Oh, this is adorable. Look at them on these roller skates. The roller skates his and kilts. Son, Come on. His son looks like a little like a, if Dan Stevens, if you dyed his hair black and slapped a mustache on. Okay, now I'm seeing him a little more close up. This mustache is fascinating. He looks like he's yeah. getting ready to play the wolf. Slash absolutely. One of the princes. Absolutely. It, have you seen the photo then where John C. Riley is drawing him? Like pretending to do Not a caricature yet, no. of a son. Oh, now I've seen really it. Oh, too. this is adorable. They're so oh charming. My God. <laughs> they look nothing alike. This is no. kind of hilarious to me. Yeah. But that is so cute. That's adorable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll listener. post we'll post that to our stories once. We this can post it to the stories. But yeah, you can listener, you can also uh just Google John C. Riley GQ because this like just came out. Although we're recording this, of course, a few weeks in advance. Um but anyway, let's move on to the baker's wife. So before we talk about Emily Blunt, mm-hmm. who in my opinion is one of the best things about this film. Hundo, uh, hundo. Amy Jo, would you love to regale us with some stories when yeah. you played the baker's wife with so, a certain celebrity? Celebrity guest. Um, okay, I'll try to keep it brief. Basically, without getting into too much detail, <laughs> there was an acquaintance of mine that I worked with in like the off-off Broadway space, um, had a connection to this town in upstate New York, and was like, hey, I'm trying to start a theater festival up in this town. He planned this like nine show season, which is incredibly ambitious for any season, much less your first summer. And I got hired for two of the sh- three, three, three of the shows. <laughs> That's right. Um, which so I was hired to do this play uh, as Bees and Honey Drown and then Boeing, Boeing and then Into the Woods. And you know, initially he had kind of pitched me witch or Baker's wife. And I was like, I really want to play Baker's wife. I feel like witch is going to be the thing everyone's going to cast me as. But Baker's wife is kind of like, I think the center of what I do and, and kind of who I am and certainly was at that time. And so I was very, very excited because I was like, I'm getting to play the Baker's wife. Even as things started to get into like pre-production, I was like, this might be a total train wreck. I was like, but I'm playing the Baker's wife, so it's fine. We get there to upstate New York. It's like an eight-hour drive from the city, so it's also impossible to get 
anywhere. It's not like, oh, this is bad. I'm going to go home for a couple days. You know, no, you're there. We were rehearsing in uh, this like Catholic school that was like the summer. So they weren't there. And we were living across the like cul-de-sac in these old, what used to be like priest quarters you know, the priests who would like teach at the Catholic school. So we're living in basically priest cells. It's like being in a dorm room, no air conditioning. The windows oh. don't fully slide open. They like tilt open slightly. So you can't ever get a breeze. Um, all, several of us had electronics that died that summer because it was so hot outside um, and inside that like our electronics, our batteries all got swollen and died. So anyway, these are the circumstances into which I'm then going into Into the Woods rehearsals. Into the Woods was going to be outside. Um, in this little, like across the street from the theater, um, which is like, it's a great show to do outside. You're like literally in, we, we were in a park, so there's trees. I mean, fantastic. You don't even got to build a set. The trees are right there. And they barely bothered to. Um, (laughs) and then we had, they had hired a local symphony orchestra. So we got to do into the woods with a 22 piece (laughs) orchestra. It was, which is wild for this summer stock non-union chicanery listening well, it wasn't, like oh maybe, oh it wasn't non-union they had guest artist non-union. contracts okay. this is okay, one of my enough. last non-union contracts uh, it's actually very pertinent that there were m- quite a few union members in these shows so then the plan this is where things are really ludicrous beyond just like poor production and then what will eventually become like a total scam um it was we um we're outside so the director uh, who's those the guy who's producing the season is directing into the woods He's like, oh, well, since we're outside, we're going to use a live cow to play Milky White. We're going to have, um, we're also going to have horses for the princes to enter on. Sure. And um, <laughs> this part, have I ever told you about this? He was like, I'm also looking into getting a falcon <laughs> so that we can have birds for Cinderella. <laughs> not, Which so not I will just say, birds, a falcon. Well, because they're you can train them better to fly and come back. Can you right? train and the so, falcon to tear out the stepsister's eyes? Now, that's what I was saying. The Florinda and Lucinda were very uneasy about Look, this. They were like, say. no. And then the actor playing the wolf was like, why the hell am I here? <laughs> if everything else is a real animal, he's like, get a real wolf. Have it rip Alicia's <laughs> face off. Who cares? You know? Um, oh, the idea of this uh, falconer coming in and being like, okay, so what you're not going to want to do is look this falcon in the eyes do not look at the falcon you you are basically describing what the cow trainer said to (laughs) us because clearly she didn't know what the cow had to do the milky white is a major major part of the story this cow cow has to die come back to to life come back to life this cow has to be fed yeah, this it has, has to, to eat not red... take a dump on the stage. <laughs> this cow has to eat a shoe, um, a cloak. <laughs> Maybe not kick an actor in the head, which luckily, like, it, it didn't. It almost kicked our Jack in the head. But he was like, that was my fault. I snuck up on the cow. I didn't mean to, you know. So anyway, <laughs> we're, we're there. And the director keeps assuring us it's a show cow. It's a show cow. There are symbols you can do. And he kept doing this one where he'd take his fist and he'd press it to his cheek as though he's like, there, there's symbols like this. And, and he'd like press it as though that's like a cue to the cow. That was a lie. You cannot train a cow. How about this I press cow- my fist into your cheek, director? <laughs> that's really, it nearly happened. We all, it was a tough time for reasons that I'll get into. The only truth about it being a show cow is that, that this trainer has cows that have like, 
showed and done well at fairs, like that kind of thing, like like award-winning cows, but not, oh, yes, do this gesture and the cow will do a time step, you know? Yeah, it's, some judge has come by and just, you know, given this cow's udders a tweak and been like, yep, yeah, these udders are in good shape. They get the blue ribbon is, for best exactly, udders. Exactly. The dog that wins best like best dog at the Westminster is not immediately getting thrown into a movie with the rock, you know? No, that is a hundred percent correct. So anyway, we have a first day with the cow whose name thriller. Um, and what a thrill it was to work with a celebrity. Now I will say I recently found a photograph of this cow and she's so cute. She's a little heifer. So she still weighs, you know, half a ton, a literal (laughs) half a ton. But she's so cute, looks very healthy. We were all like, this isn't a cow that's like, (laughs) that's on its last legs. This is a very, very healthy cow. But anyway, so we're all like, okay, here's the cow, you know, and we're talking with the trainer whose name I do not remember. She clearly had no idea. Mrs. Thriller. Mrs. Thriller. Um, so basically like the horses, we kept the horses cause they worked great. You have a trainer in costume that like the princes get, we had like basically one horse and then a dwarf pony with like a little, um, like cart. So Cinderella's prince enter, who's this like really tall guy with this like shoulder length hair, just like. You know, the both princes were like super handsome, funny guys. And so like this, this tall drink of water is on top of this white horse Mm -hmm. um, that gets like led down the aisle and then he dismounts and then, and then the trainer takes the horse back around behind the audience into the trailer. Perfect. Great. The little dwarf pony is like leading Rapunzel's prince in on this little cart. And it's, I mean, it was, (laughs) that was fantastic. That's a great use of like livestock and blah, blah, blah. But number one, no to a live cow number two like we're in upstate new york which in a very rural area people aren't like "Ooh, a cow like it's not exotic the way it is to us city folk we'll be like oh a cow on stage wow you know uh, but yeah so anyway the first thing the cow does when it gets on stage in rehearsal is just like take a dump right in the middle of the stage <laughs> you're like awesome <laughs> Awesome. This cow was like, hey, I've seen this director's work and this is what and I think And these of are it. my thoughts. And we thought, hard same. Um, and then, like, the trainer is telling us, like, how to hold the cow so that it won't, you know, how to, like, hold the bridle. And how then, mm-hmm. like, make sure you're wearing, like, thick tennis shoes around the cow because if it steps on your foot, it will break it. And, and we're now, all like, Now, has this trainer, wearing... did this trainer ever do the fist into the cheek move? No, to... that was a lie. <laughs> A lie. Um, one of just uh, one of the more innocuous lies from this producer. Um, at one point, I I'm wearing very thin little basically ballet flats on stage, so I'm like I can't wear tennis shoes. It's into the woods. And then number two, I have to take off my shoes to trade them to Cinderella. I have to be barefoot on stage with. The cow that I have to hold onto its bridle so it doesn't go wandering off. So I'm standing next to the cow, freaking barefoot. Yeah. And then, like, a you know what you needed? You needed some of those uh, hobbit feet from Lord of the Rings. I, I These really little fake did. feet to make it look really like your did. real feet. But also, like, to sing the song that they cut from um, one of the songs they cut from the show, Maybe They're Magic. It's a patter song that mainly is the baker's wife. And I'm holding the cow. And that cow, if it was jerking its head around, you know, and it weighs a lot. And so I'm like trying to hold it, trying to stabilize at my core so I'm not like look 
looking like and getting jerked around by this cow while, while trying to have enough breath to sing a Sondheim patter song. Anyway, uh, also all our checks were bouncing. Um, is relevant information. So everyone was kind of losing their what minds. What a segue. The, the producer's trying to... The equity is now getting involved and like pulling the equity members and saying they can't go to rehearsal yeah. until the bond has been paid, all of this kind of stuff. So then he's trying to pit the equity members against the non-equity members. We're like, we all are mad at you. Like, I'm not mad at actors' equity. I wish I was equity. This was one of the last jobs I did not need because I was like, I can't do this anymore. But yeah, so we... we um. We just compensated by eating like a lot of rare beef and making a lot of jokes, um, including like we changed all of the titles of the songs to be um, cow related. So here's some of the ones I remember. Uh, I know things cow. Uh, Last mood night. Um, uh, uh, movie. They're really magic. Um, there are bovines in the sky. Uh, this sort of thing. Um, I don't. I don't remember all of them, but that's, you know, that's a lot of them. Um, just basically putting moo and, and cow wherever possible. Um, but yeah, it was it w- eventually like, it was supposed to run like two or three weekends, but the equity members got pulled. And so then we did like a concert version the next weekend. The symphony orchestra was still like not sure why Man. we were all being so like, why are the actors blah, blah, blah. And then they later were like emailing us like, well, we didn't get paid. We're like, why do you think? We were all so upset. None of us were getting paid. So, yes, we ended up no Falcon, <laughs> um, uh, no cow. We ended up getting it cut right before the last preview because finally, like, the actors were like, we can't do this. We can't do this. So our lovely set designer whipped up a little cutout on wheels, which was really cute, um, hours before the first preview. But, of course, we had never rehearsed with it. So... We're having to make stuff up as we go. We'd never actually, this, I was living an actor's nightmare. We had never run the whole show by the time we did it oh. for an audience. We, oh, I, I, it was, when I tell you like the kind of thing you dream about and wake up sweating, that was our first preview. That was actually much of the run, but certainly that first preview where we're like, we've never done this. Cinderella didn't know her lines or her music. Cinderella's a very hard part and she had not bothered herself to learn it even though she had like six months notice. She knew she was playing this part. It was very traumatizing the entire experience of the whole summer and um yeah so there are those of us that uh if you've you know heard about the the live cow it's like oh yeah there's a few of us who are still working in the industry who uh are like oh yeah 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 yeah. i did into the woods with a live cow (laughs) that's right so that was a long tangent but that um that was my into the woods story so with all that said Amy Jo, what are your thoughts on Emily Blunt and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I think Emily Blunt is great. My my one complaint is that I can I feel like she is an actor who is not used to singing. Um, mm. Not that her singing voice is bad. I don't mean that at all. She has a lovely instrument, but more I hear a pedantic attachment to rhythm and to getting the rhythm right rather than to following the line of the thought and the prosody. Like Sondheim has written it to sound very conversational. And if she were to just follow that, it would kind of fall out more naturally. But she's kind of, um, especially if you know what you want, then you go and you find it and you get it. Like it's, uh, even though it's not a song that she did, but that's kind of how she was singing some of those patter sections. It's just more like, if you know what you want, then you go and you find it and you get it, you know, just like letting it be a little freer. That's my one complaint. Well, that, and I feel like I wish she were more sardonic and funnier in parts, but I think that seems to be an overall tone thing directorially rather than just the actress. I think she hits it more than most people. So I think she's really great. Best casting of the film, um, well, her and Tracy Ullman, in my opinion, they're the best casting of the film. Um, 
with Meryl bringing up the rear. I would say, obviously, Joanna Gleason, if this is in the late 90s, watch the PBS version and see the applause break she gets after Moments in the Woods. I mean, see it's... See a Tony-winning performance. See the Tony materializing in front of her as she sings it. It's so good. This is like... There are some actors that I feel like, depending on the age, are either going to skew like Baker's Wife or Witch, kind mm-hmm. of. So like, like, I feel like now this would be a good Emma Stone role oh, um okay yeah sarah Bareilles is playing it on broadway right now she's very funny she's lovely mm. uh, i think she'd be great and she's famous enough to like they put her yeah. in a movie you know what Love i mean it. i feel like maybe this would be like a younger hannah waddingham although now she's probably more in witch territory well, but she's like played the witch on the west end exactly yeah but i mean i think she still would have been also yeah. like a good baker's wife this could be a fun like annalee ashford situation i mean talk about someone who's very very funny um yeah. uh and then Oh, Annalie Ashford, who it's just been announced, she and Josh Groban are coming to Broadway to do <gasps> Sweeney Todd and Mrs. Lovett. Whoa. This I have, I have known this for several months and have kept it oh. under my hat. Even um, from me, your, I know. your, your partner. <laughs> I think you were out of town when I found out and then I forgot. Fair, enough, fair um, enough. Oh, it, Josh Groban is Sweeney Todd. Okay. He's going to sing the crap out of him. He'll sing it beautifully okay. and she will provide enough comedy for all. Um, just kind of, I feel like she did that because she was opposite Jake Gyllenhaal in, in Sunday, mm. and I feel like she kind of like elevated where he was a little less comfortable. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, and then there were, I have a few options all from a single movie. So just because costume wise, I was like, man, she's giving me Nancy a little bit in Oliver. So I was like, let's look, let's put Shani Wallace, who plays Nancy in the 1968 movie of Oliver. Let's put her in here. Man, she would great sing the heck out of it and um you know a lot a lot going for her so them's my thoughts i love it yeah i mean this is because i just love this performer and their voice but they're probably better suited for the witch but like the cynthia revo version Well, she is on my witch list for sure right right it's just that she has so much like open heart energy because that is what marshall rob marshall said that he that Emily Blunt was selected for her warmth and likability to ensure the emotional impact of her sudden death. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's very important for that character because it's the heart of the piece and you really have to love her. So when she's gone, it should feel like a kick in the gut. Yeah. Um, and I think the similar performance to Emily Blunt is a Kate Winslet. I, I could also see. Uh, and like she that. she has sung before. She's sung in some animated Christmas Carol movie that no one We've played seen. her singing on the pod. We played it on a Moulin Rouge. Uh, and I think a Maya Rudolph version of this would be very good. Oh, like especially like, uh, yeah, like 10 years ago, something like that. Yeah. I think that's great. And Absolutely. she's very funny. She's very funny. But I think Sims not not quite the same as Jack Black because I've seen Maya Rudolph in uh, Maya Rudolph in. um. Away We Go, the Sam Mendes movie, um, which is more of a dramedy with her and John Krasinski, where I think it's like she's like about she's pregnant and it's them figuring out like where where are we going to raise this kid? And we're like they're mm. meeting like Krasinski's parents they're meeting Maya Rudolph's parents they are visiting like Krasinski's brother. So it's a bit of a road trip movie. But she's like got some like really great opportunities to show that like, oh, yeah, she has a lot of dramatic skills as well that just of understandably it doesn't get showcases often when you have someone that is so good at being funny like yes, Maya Rudolph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently there was a, an incident during rehearsals in which Meryl Streep jumped on a table and her foot got caught in her costume. <gasps> she started falling backwards head first towards a 
concrete floor. Don't know why no. they're rehearsing with a concrete floor. But both James Corden is the one telling the story. And so James Corden and Rob Marshall just froze just watching Meryl Streep falling. And a pregnant Emily Blunt swooped in and caught Meryl Streep before she hit the floor. Emily Blunt. Fake superhero. Pregnant. No, real pregnant. Emily Blunt was pregnant wow. during the shooting of this film. So, like, there is... She's crawling all over. You know, films take a while to make. And this was... Oh, she do was, they? <laughs> from what I understand. Um, so, she was... Uh, it, it changes throughout the film. So, I think mm. there is, like, when they rehearsed her, any moment in the woods, she was, like, barely pregnant. When By the time they filmed it, Chris Pine is like, oh, I need to hold you up. And this is a little harder than it was <laughs> three months ago when we were rehearsing this. Um, Emily Blunt did say that uh, she thought it, it fit the role, as she said. I feel like she oh, would have yeah. eaten a lot of carbs working in the bakery, um, <laughs> even though she doesn't, she's still looking like, you know, skinny Emily Blunt. Um, but she's draped in all these dresses and out outfit so oh, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not like you can Movie visibly magic. tell um that would be funny if they waited for her to be nine months pregnant before they filmed like and now here's the shot of you when the witch magically makes you pregnant and for Ooh. that we'll do a reshoot and yep, fill you in yep. uh so here are the actors who were considered in the rob reiner version so this would have been uh with robin williams uh goldie hawn oh was in this star-studded little reading i mean um it would never be a thing I would think, but I mean, I would be, I'd be interested to watch that table read. Uh, I feel like tonally she would um, hit all of the comedy really nicely. And she yeah. is a, a, a really good actor. I don't know. I don't mm. quite know how I feel about that. I don't know either. I'm like in that it's 1990, 1991. That's where like, give me Meryl. If we're yeah. doing, you know, Absolutely. if this movie gets made like right off the bat, like that, I think it is. It feels more Meryl than, than Goldie. If we're, yeah. if we're just using death becomes Ooh. her. Ah, give me a defending your life reunion with Meryl Streep as the baker's <gasps> wife and Albert Brooks Come as the baker. On. I don't know if the man can sing, but temperamentally give me Albert Brooks. That's great. So in the Columbia Henson version uh, with Billy Crystal, we had a different kind of reunion from when Harry met mm -hmm. Sally. It was Meg Ryan who was in talks. No. As not my <laughs> beloved baker's wife. Okay, well, how about this? So in the three-day reading that Rob Marshall did, Nina Arianda. Oh, does she sing? I do not know. I don't know if this reading was also a sing-through or if it was just reading the script and then they like played the music or read the three lyrics. Three days don't indicates know. to me they might have tried a little music. That's just true. That's a good point. You know, but it's three days is not really enough to learn all of it. This is a lot of music. Yeah. Nina Arianda, um, of course, Tony Winner for Venus and Fur has been on broadway a couple times and uh born yesterday been in some Four film tv stuff she's on that goliath show with she was in that Billy Bob midnight Thornton. in paris oh yeah um, she's a small role in midnight in paris um but an amazing actor she's incredibly talented i know she smokes so I, that also i mean there are a lot of singers who smoke but like mm -hmm. i know that that's like really affected her voice too so i'm like i don't know um but look she's uh, i think a much better fit than meg ryan or goldie hawn just as an actor sure um, uh and I'm assuming it's for this role. It didn't specify which role, but Tina Fey said that she tried to cram her way into the movie. And she said is like uh, fully saying yeah, like, this was a mistake, yeah. but that she, clearly I'm sure she is also someone who has watched that original PBS version so many oh, times yeah. that she said, she's like, I did that thing. May I please audition? And they're like, we know where you've worked, sweetheart. <laughs> and she said that um, this was like between 
wrapping 30 Rock and the premiere of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. So she was like feeling the like, I need a new, I need to be working. I yeah, need to be doing yeah, something. Yeah. And she said, I realized when actors say they're going to stretch themselves, you're just going to annoy people. And she's admitted she doesn't <laughs> sing well. And the moderator of this interview or whatever this was, they asked Faye if footage of her audition is still available. And she answered, oh God, I hope not. I'm sure it's gone by now. So she tried to get her, you know, her, her uh, hat in the ring. And I think she was probably happy that it did not work out that way. I think Tina Fey is really, really funny at what she does well. But I don't think she's like, this, uh, this is going to sound bad. This is not going to sound exactly what I mean. But like, I don't think she is a capital A actor in the sense of being like transformative in that I'd way. Agree. Like, I think she'd be fine in this just uh but but i uh i want a little more i agree i I agree but let's move on let's talk about that wolf amy joe your thoughts on johnny depp and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else i wish this was a visual medium so you could see my face um i get it i get it i this i will say this is one that i have no um problem whatsoever with them making the wolf an individual role on stage. This is doubled with Cinderella's Prince mm-hmm. most of the time. Um, but I have, I think for a movie it makes absolute sense to make it a totally different actor. So that, that's not the thing I have an issue with. Um, <laughs> it's just, I get it. I, it is kind of like, if you're thinking of someone who does all these things, Johnny Depp, I think is the logical choice, especially around this time. Yeah. But I'm annoyed by it. I right. mean, I feel, and he's I feel a name. like he's in. He gets the hammer in the poster name. and the credits. It's end Absolutely. Johnny Depp as the wolf. It's a great size role for him because we barely have to see the guy. Um, but it's just, I was thinking watching this, I was like, well, at least they're doing a lot less manipulation on the effects on the vocals for everybody. And then Hello Little Girl started and I was like, uh-uh-uh, <laughs> not true. They just hired better singers than they did for Sweeney Todd. And he is so, everything is so auto-tuned. It just makes me want to punch things. Um, Whatever. Uh, it's fine. I get it. I, I get it. I think it's kind of gross. Um, mm-hmm. But then so is the wolf. I, I don't yeah, know. I mean, My first yeah. choice, which would have to have been a, a much younger, is just ripped directly from the fairy tale theater um, Little Red Riding Hood story, and that is Malcolm McDowell oh as the God. wolf, <laughs> and he is great. He's just so like, like you know, it's just uh, hello there, hello, and hello, it's little wonderful. girl. How about a little of the old yeah, hello, violence? What's your rush? A bit of ultraviolence. Um, <laughs> I love it, and then that got me thinking also about Oliver. So it's like, oh, Oliver Reed, get Bill Sykes in here. Um, Why not? I'd take, I would take a seventies era Oliver Reed. Thinking about other movie musicals, I was like, honestly, if we're going to take the cast of Cats and put some of them in here, like this is where I would put Idris Elba. Love I it. think he would be very fun. I think Agreed. he'd be a lot less disgusting than Johnny Depp, but still give me the danger that I want. Yeah. Um, and then thinking again, Johnny Depp makes me think of Sweeney Todd. And I was like, get me younger Alan Rickman, having just oh. done also the the Robin Hood. I was yeah. like, yeah, 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 yeah. That, give me that. Totally. I get having different actors play the role, especially for a movie, but I'm like, you clearly can't have this awful zoot suit. But if you have like a, either a puppet or honestly this, I'd be okay if this is like a CGI character. If you have this yeah, be more yeah. of an actual like wolf, like a literal, just like on all fours wolf. And maybe he can kind of pop up onto two hind legs or whatever. And in that case, just give me Chris Pine. 
let Chris Pine be this wolf That's as well, true. especially if you make him CGI so it's not clear. So an audience might be like, oh, I don't know who did that wolf. And at the end, you're like, oh, that was Chris Pine as the wolf too? Oh, interesting. And then I feel like it could put more effect on the voice and it would kind of be okay because it would be already yeah. visually manipulated. So I wouldn't mind the oral manipulation so much. Totally. I, 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 I like that. I'd be interested in the Jim Carrey in this spot. Oh, it's hard because yeah, it's different. such a small role, but it's not. It doesn't. It's not a role that's designed to be. Here's a fun showcasey cameo. It's weird when it's like because we're so early in the film. Here's this big star, and then he's dead. It, it's a. It's a weird. Slot. I mean, and that's why you have that. Th- this is what's interesting. Watching this, it made me think also about the Jack's mother mm-hmm. thing. Being like on stage, why this often I feel like is a harder role to cast is because it's not showy. You want actors of a certain age, but like, you're not going to get too many people who are like Tony winners in this role. Cause it's not big enough on stage, but in a film, because you're compartmentalizing the amount that you're there, it's not like I have to do eight shows a week in this sometimes somewhat thankless part, depending on the production. Um, and I, I think with the wolf, that's part of it is like, you want someone really great, but it's in so little that if you double with the prince, it's like then it's a really juicy role. Totally. Um, but on film, I think you get away with it a bit in a, in a Sean Connery in half the movies we've done on this podcast. Right. Way. <laughs> Where he's in, he shoots for two days, he makes a million dollars and out. then he's off to the golf course. He's off to the links. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean, give us Hugh Jackman as the wolf. I did. He is on my longer list. I thought this would be a really fun usage of him. Also, he's a wolfarine, you oh. know? brother uh i mean he does sing enough i mean at least as well if not better than johnny depp i could see a robert downey jr i think you're also getting a nice buzzy name occurred to me too but i think i was thinking about i was trying to think about princes and i was like no he's not quite right but you're right he'd be a very fun wolf especially if he's just needing to be the wolf yeah 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 and i think because just thinking of him in like iron man and what do we just watch that he's in oh we watched zodiac think of him in zodiac it's like very that energy where you're like you're kind of dangerous but i'm not disgusted by you just a real drunk wolf just a a wolf just just downing 18 light blue drinks just a lush and a lech you know um yeah and then you know a a nice little zodiac reunion with uh jake gyllenhaal as the baker and robert downey jr as the wolf um or maybe i don't i'm I'm assuming i don't know if he can sing but a mark ruffalo baker if mark ruffalo could sing mark ruffalo Mark Ruffalo did occur to me but i was like i don't know if he can sing so i didn't put him on the list but he did occur to me. i don't care i know it we shouldn't be dubbing actors anymore dub him we could i don't care go back to the days of dubbing because i really love some of those movies and i don't care that they're all marnie nixon because marnie nixon was great and so were they well, there you, you go know? get mark ruffalo to act the baker and then he'll just lip sync to marnie nixon singing the baker perfect <laughs> <laughs> and i i see i get wanting a name more of a name name for this role but the man's done broadway and i think temperamentally prefer this get me michael c hall as the wolf oh Oh, that's great. He's famous. He's he's TV famous, though. He's not. So that's why he'd famous. be perfect for this size of role. I Yes. He's not getting the end Michael C. Hall on no. the poster when you're just trying no, to no, get no. butts in seats. Um, But but I, and, I, and I think he'd be very good. Also, we'll talk about, of course, Cinderella's Prince. I think he'd also be very good to be doing both of those if, if you're yeah, having yeah, one yeah, actor yeah. play both. Um, And if this those is are great. made hot off the Broadway original Broadway production. So the early nineties, give me my boy, Christopher Walken. Oh, that's fun. And that's a that's, fun little, that is that kind of, also that's someone who's Walken. like, I like to be weird. 
<laughs> Hook it up. I should have also said, obviously, first choice is Robert Westenberg, who is the original course. Wolf slash Cinderella's Prince. But of course. Um, you know, yeah. the guy's great. Yeah. And I know this is such a small role, but that sound means it's time to play a quick round of two truths and some guy. Wait, and some wolf. Two of the following actors were up for the role of the wolf, and one was not. And Amy Jo is to guess which is which. Keeping in mind... That, that this there were multiple versions of this film over time over time mm-hmm. so your options are steve martin <gasps> martin short <laughs> and alan cumming it would have been great if i gave, said steve martin martin short and selena gomez but, <laughs> <laughs> but but steve martin martin short and alan cumming are your three uh, selena gomez actually is a fun like a young disney era selena gomez giving the energy she's giving in only murders is a fun little red energy she'd be Just great that super dry you yeah. can talk to birds like that's very that um give me the 2014 selena gomez as little red yeah yeah um okay wait who was the third option who was not selena gomez alan cumming alan oh alan cumming who was on my my list but i couldn't figure out a great spot to put him but duh wolf is a really fun spot to put him um martin short ding 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 that is correct as far as i could tell martin short was not up for this steve martin but he'd be a fun baker actually i agree 100 percent. like 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 90s era martin short oh yeah delightful yeah steve martin would have been in the rob reiner version um so that yeah, one with totally. robin williams and goldie hawn uh, and i i honestly love that it's bonkers but i love it i'm a big i like the idea of steve martin as the wolf i think that's a lot I, of fun. absolutely and Alan Cumming was considered for the 2014 film. And I think that's so much better casting. The man's done Broadway. 100%. The man can sing. And I think characterization-wise, I think he'd be, he'd have he, crushed it. He, he's so, Johnny Depp likes to play weird in a way that feels, I don't know, more self-conscious than the way that Alan Cumming does. It's like, I feel like Alan Cumming, not everyone is going to go do a, basically a one-man version of Macbeth on Broadway right. and be like, I'm living my best life, yeah. you know? And I feel like that's, I want more of that from someone who's going to play the wolf than like, oh, look at my mustache. <laughs> right. And I mean, look, here's the thing. It, it is like, it's easy to forget the work that Johnny Depp did in the 90s from everything from Edward Scissorhands yeah. to Ed Wood and like up through Pirates of the Caribbean because he is honestly, I think, so good in those first Pirates of the Caribbean He's movies fantastic. until it's like that's that's the problem is just the, um, you know, the uh, diminishing returns of having him come back again and again to this character and yeah. now be doing Mad Hatter and Alice in Wonderland and doing all these things where it now just feels like it's all just what wacky well, costume I- and face paint can I throw on? And that's the beginning and end of my characterization um but let's move on to cinderella image of your thoughts on anna kendrick and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else i feel conflicted mm-hmm. she's fine she's not like bad or embarrassing herself i just don't feel like it's the best fit and um i feel like sometimes she's a little like dead in the face um <laughs> just just there's places where it's like 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 for instance uh, uh uh when the birds like are like your husband's having an affair but they're going chirp 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 and and they she has absolutely the line, should what have the these birds saying your husband is having an affair oh my God. Didn't believe. the jim um, henson version having these puppet birds just like it'd it's be all so the, much better the, it's all the chickens from uh, Gonzo's oh my, coterie yes, of chickens. Yes, Camilla. Yeah, absolutely. Then all this muddy, yeah, yeah. muddy CGI. Gonzo's the wolf. Birds yeah. that the, I can the barely CGI see. Is, 
there's so much CGI in this movie. And it's like, it's not even the CGI that bothers me. It feels like that the CGI didn't look good. So they put a mud filter over everything. Everything is so dark. It feels like it's so dark. It's so blue. Brown. It feels like I'm looking at an Annie Leibovitz uh, Vogue shoot, (laughs) you know, which normally I love, but I was like, ah, this is great to look at on a few pages of a spread, but I don't want to look at this for two hours. So she just has like no reaction to that. Like she says the line, but it's like, there's no flicker of anything happening. And I feel like there's a lot of times where that is. But then we have stuff like Steps of the Palace, which this is also like a Rob Marshall thing where it's just like it's so busy. I'm like, I, I like that they've taken it out of time. and put. I mean, I don't love all the tense changes they've done. That's another issue. But like, I like that she like steps out of the shoes and we have this. And I like that it's one long shot, basically. But it's just like she's sitting up. She's lying down. She's rolling around. She blah, blah. I'm like, can we just like calm it down a little bit um which is not on her but i it does feel like it's a director doing that because they don't trust the material or the actor or not wanting to seem too theatrical but i think then it robs us of following her and i i don't know if partially that's also just on like i'm kind of lukewarm on her in this i think um but she's a very logical choice there's not a ton of people it's a very difficult thing um, it's uh, not even so much that it's so technically challenging, like where it sits placement wise. It's just there's not a lot of people who sing this way that yeah. also do movies. And it is um, technically difficult insofar as like the notes. Uh, it's it's a lot. It's very uh, hard. So uh, an, a, a thought for um, before this, when when I saw the Into the Woods in the Park with Donna Murphy, Amy Adams played the baker's wife, which felt to me very wrong. I felt like she should have been playing Cinderella and Jesse Mueller, who was playing Cinderella, should have been the baker's wife. They both sang it fine, yeah. but just attitudinally. Yeah. And I feel like a younger Amy Adams would be dynamite in this. Definitely. I mean, that's the thing, you know, because you're on stage, you're putting your Academy Award nominee in the yeah. quote unquote lead role baker's wife. But in of this course. film, I think Amy Adams absolutely would be Cinderella. Just, I mean, just like taking what she's doing at like the end of Enchanted, basically, and putting it in right. here, you know. Um, she's great. Just thinking about, I didn't care that much for Lauren Ambrose and My Fair Lady vocally, but I feel like on stage it's different than in a movie because she could get into a studio, she could get it sounding how she wants, and then she doesn't have to worry about doing it on the soundstage. She can just like yeah. lip sync to a version that she has gotten to be comfortable with. So I, mm. I'm interested in maybe a Lauren Ambrose, even though her voice is more naturally a mezzo. She would also be an interesting baker's wife, maybe. I don't have like a ton of options. I love early mid nineties mini driver maybe um is a fun thought. Oh, Although okay. I, I also I have her on my witch list for like an older version. Just thinking of her sure. as Carlotta being like, oh, yeah. this would be a fun kind of and then just because they've re-released uh the last Disney Cinderella. I was like, oh put Brandy. We could have had Brandy. <laughs> it's maybe not a soprano take, but it would be great. What's not to love? Why not? Love it. Yeah, I also had Amy Adams, and I was like, Kristen Bell? Oh, yeah. Give me Kristen Bell. Uh, yeah. This is where I'd put her if I was putting her in the film. Uh, according to Anna Kendrick, the set pieces used for the woods were so big and realistic that her and Chris Pine got lost while on the soundstage and had to be rescued by a production assistant. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, which I am delighted by. Uh, so as for the actors who were actually up for the role, uh, Mackenzie Mousy, who plays Rapunzel, had initially auditioned for Cinderella. Gorgeous voice. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. I don't know her as a performer otherwise. I don't either. And she doesn't have, I think she's, we'll talk, we'll talk about her in the roundup at the end, but like, I think she's perfectly fine 
with what she has it's, to do as Rapunzel, but I don't know. It's hard with Rapunzel because she doesn't have a ton. Yeah, she doesn't have. Right. We don't. Uh, I I have. I feel like I have less information to gauge whether or not she would yeah. have the chops, but um, she can certainly sing it. And while in negotiations to play Sally Bowles on Broadway in Cabaret, Rob Marshall asked Emma Stone to play the role of Cinderella, and she turned it down because she didn't think she had the vocal range. No, she doesn't. She she just it's a very hard particular part of the voice. She has a much lower register, which is why yeah. she'd be a great baker's wife. But she's not, yeah, as you said, she's not a Cinderella. She'd be a really good baker's wife if if it was being made today. I think she's also just much more, and always has been since Super Bad, much more baker's wife tonally than Cinderella. You know, I agree. But I I mean that's the thing. Like Anna Kendrick. I, it's not, you know, Cinderella, when I think like, when you think Cinderella, there is a certain, in my mind, I go to, of course, Disney's animated Cinderella. Yeah. There is a certain like type of person you think of that. And Anna Kendrick is so to me, which I appreciate is not that. I do appreciate um, that she's like a little less like this filtered, uh, you know, blonde, like perfect, like right. Hollywood She doesn't read face. as Disney princess to me. No. Which honestly, I, I do Chris, appreciate Kristen that. Bell would split that difference in that she would. I, I mean, she right. is cute little blonde, literally a Disney princess in Frozen, or whether or not but Anna's considered a princess. But she's not like Lily James or whoever is. played it in the um, exactly. that film version. Exactly, in that, uh, yeah, Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh yeah. live action version. Um, but uh, yeah. Emma Stone turned it down and she uh, jokingly asked Marshall if she could instead play Jack. So, I mean, give me Emma Stone as Jack. <laughs> That's Why? great. Can uh, I tell a fun little uh, little fun fact about the original Broadway production? This is Kim Crosby, who plays Cinderella. And she and Robert Westenberg, who plays Cinderella's Prince, met and got married <gasps> um, during this show. Oh, wow. And last I heard, they were still together. They both um, wow. left New York. Like, she played Sarah Brown in that in a early, like, 90s Guys and Dolls revival. Um, oh. And then they moved. Uh, so I met Robert Westenberg when he was working in Denver at the Denver Center. Um, they moved to, um, like, I think, teach and stuff. So he, they now no longer live in Denver, but... Um, um, yeah, they were out there for a while. I, I was like so thrilled seeing Robert Westenberg play like the ghost of Christmas past or something at the Denver Center <laughs> Christmas Carol. I was like, yeah. But um, yeah, I think then that's so charming. <laughs> that is delightful. Uh, instead, in 2014, Emma Stone is also in that Woody Allen movie with Colin Firth, Magic in the Moonlight. She had Amazing Spider-Man 2, one of the worst films I've seen in a theater. Mm. And she had Birdman. So she got oh. her first Oscar nomination for that. So I think that was She early. was still doing Broadway, if you will. She's doing, she's doing Broadway in a sense. Uh, but let's move on to Cinderella's Prince. So Amy Jo, your thoughts on Chris Pine and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Agony is the best way, of, like, the best argument for why bother doing mm-hmm. this movie. Like, if you're going to take something and not and take, take it out of the theatrical context and make a movie out of it, I feel like you, why? Unless you're going to make a, like, Chicago, I think, for whatever flaws it has, like, does a really good job of, like, we're going to make Chicago but the movie version. And it's going to be something that could only happen in cinema and i feel like into the woods this just just doesn't hit that most of the time other than like look we made a cgi leaf dress which great um but (laughs) but i feel like agony is perfect you're not going to build a giant waterfall on stage for one number but it it is that heightened it's taking the characters and and like giving them a setting appropriate to what they have to do and um yeah. i think he's it's a very fun set piece he and billy magnuson i think most consistently hit the tone even so there's like lines that were 
cut that would for no reason that would like help um i'm sure there was a reason but to me it seems arbitrary um and there's things that still aren't quite like hitting as easily as robert westenberg and chuck wagner did hello or even oh man in the in the revival it's gavin creel and joshua henry we're delightful so funny um for me the revival like felt like it started when joshua henry as rapunzel's Mm. prince entered it was so funny wearing these like bright yellow and bright uh red pink like you know frock coats and everything so i think he's very good makes total sense you want to cast a movie star in this part so i think that that's great my uh, my first thought was another Chris, um, as far as which other Chris, it would be Hemsworth, I think, as far as hitting this oh, kind of comedic tone. Just okay. thinking of him as Thor, at least in yeah. Thor Ragnarok, because uh, I've not seen any of the others uh, canonically. Um, <laughs> uh, this also is where I had uh, uh, young Hugh Jackman. I thought he'd be very funny in this yeah, kind of thing. Totally. Kevin Klein, young Kevin Klein, this is like exactly what he does. This kind of like, you know, I come up, I take up space. Um, And then I thought, I forget if he sings, but I know that he dances. So I was like, oh, yeah, like an early 2000s, like Dulé Hill would be very fun. Very, very funny actor. And I know that he's like worked in musicals. And again, I know he's a tapper, so I'm not sure about the vocal chops, but I think he'd be very funny. I'm pretty sure he's been on Broadway in, in musicals. I think I feel so. Like he, he has definitely sung. I think he's, ugh, I could be conflating with something else. I think he was in Jelly's Last Jam with Gregory Hines. And maybe he didn't sing. Maybe it was mainly a dance showcase. Yeah. But um, I'm going to assume he can. So why not? Why, why not, not Sykes Dulé Hill? West Wings Dulé Hill. The Broadway stage is Dulé Hill. Hill. So yeah, definitely Hugh Jackman. Especially if he can play both or if he's just playing this. Oh, and as for Chris Pine, I think Chris Pine is one of the better comes off one of yes. the, as one of the better ones in the film. Yes. Um, I like how malevolent all of his line readings are in the first half. <laughs> uh like the like what she won't get far with one shoe. It's like it, that's, he is that's playing a fun it line addition, yeah. Almost like a villain, which is great. I mean, and so it doesn't feel like out of left field. No. I love the look he gives to camera when uh, on the steps of the palace has just been sung. She leaves the one shoe in, in the tar and she runs and then he sees it and he looks up like that saucy minx. And it's just <laughs> such a great look that tells me so much about that. The guy, you know? Yeah. And great hair acting. The quaff. Oh, the quaff is a delight. The way, I mean, the hair acting in this movie from Meryl alone, but then yes, oh, how high on. they have his hair styled is so <laughs> funny to me. It's so good. Um, he doesn't re- read as much of the like the darkness and malevolence. But speaking of Amy Adams and Enchanted, give me James Marsden. Yes. I mean, obviously, he's so funny in Enchanted. Yeah. And a lot of the similar like for The Wolf. So I could also, yeah, Michael C. Hall as Cinderella's Prince. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, we know he sings from Star is Born. I, I'd give me a Bradley Cooper. I oh, could see. Sure. Um, though Chris Pine does re- gives me very much the like, I'm not British, but... I kind of sound like I'm doing a faux British. It, like, Some of the, the accent the work in this mold fits on him. confused me. The, oh, the Specifically choices. the princes. The princes, I was like, are we, what are we doing? I know, are they really were like, in this line reading, I'm so English. <laughs> and in this one, I haven't bothered. And then Meryl is like, I'm American, but sort of heightened like Shakespeare. But then in Last Midnight, suddenly, it's the last midnight. Like everything is American except for this one vowel that keeps getting repeated. I was like, what? are we doing <laughs> uh and two brits who i know both sing i think they'd be great give me 
Matt Smith, or Tom Hiddleston. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's fun. So uh, once again, according to Anna Kendrick, Chris Pine was extremely shy about his singing voice and noted that he would hold back during rehearsals. And she only heard his actual singing voice. She was eating lunch in the recording studio and she was in a room by herself and she heard a, as she says, quote, beautiful crooning voice coming from the hallway. And she assumed it was a singer for another project. Uh, since multiple records were being recorded in the studio. But then she noticed that the singing wasn't stopping, so she poked her head out, and she was was surprised to see that it was Pine, who didn't know that anybody else was there. So he was there practicing by himself, because he was clearly... A little, you know, and I get you. And Kendrick was on Broadway as a child. You have multiple people who have sung... Some you have who have Meryl Streep. And you've got Meryl Streep, who sung in Mamma Mia. <laughs> Come on! The scar factor. Mamma Mia's Meryl? Um... So Can you imagine actors, if that's like the the parenthetical Meryl Streep, you know, from Mamma Mia? <laughs> you know, from Mamma Mia, here we go again. <laughs> so in the Rob Reiner little table read, uh, Kyle MacLachlan. Interesting. Early I'm night. Lying. We're talking like um, Twin Peaks era mm-hmm. Kyle MacLachlan. I enjoy that. Yeah, I take that. I mean, you're. I get the look. Mm-hmm. The quaff of the hair, oh, yeah. and then the, of course, like, oh no, he's actually a big, big old d bag. Yep, yep. Uh, and then in the three day reading that Rob Marshall did, Patrick Wilson. Oh, that's great! How did I not think of Patrick Wilson? He'd been great. Mm. He'd been great. Uh, and I've seen this. I'll just say this now that I've seen people have reported this that he was up for Cinderella's Prince. And people reported he was up for Rapunzel's Prince. Because I think it just said that he was up for a prince. a prince. But Jake Gyllenhaal was possibly originally cast and then dropped out because of scheduling conflicts with Nightcrawler. But he was trying to do both. Yeah. So he would have been like having to come from Nightcrawler right into Into the Woods. So he would have been looking like he <laughs> emaciated. Get, there you go. Jake Gyllenhaal is the wolf because that's what he looks like in Nightcrawler. Honestly, that, uh, yes, yes, very. Um, Yeah, he, he kept popping up as to like where to put him um, yeah. on my list. I, I can see that. But to me, I was just like, he he tends to read a little darker generally to me. He does, but that's why I, I think Baker, princes. honestly, because then that's, you, that's, you yeah, that's why I buy I it. Him there him like oh he might abandon his kid oh he's like shoving jack and little red around that he's like oh yeah he's kind of not a great guy and he has to learn to become one he's got a bit of that that darkness instead of look at that sweet old james Corden, everyone's favorite moving on let's get in a car and sing with him Oh my god, you stupid karaoke. Uh, let's move on to Rapunzel's Prince. So your thoughts on Billy Magnuson and who would you cast if you had a cast? Someone else. Look, I love Billy Magnuson. He's always very funny. Again, I wish there there like one of the lines that most bothered me that was cut was because there was room for it. If you just kept talking, they didn't like cut away. It's um he goes, Rapunzel. And then it cuts back to her and he goes like cuts back to him. And he's like, Rapunzel and then he like rides away and like has some comedic like trip or something like that which is fine but like the line in the statue was Rapunzel Rapunzel what a strange name strange but beautiful <laughs> and then like when it when he goes and he tells his brother I say Rapunzel Rapunzel let down your hair to me he goes Rapunzel Rapunzel what kind of a name is that so like I think that second Rapunzel what kind of a name is that hits harder when you've heard it being when it's just commented on by everyone right we but they need cut more it. of that. That's like we in need the show, more of that. Yeah, they're aware that 
within the fairy tale they're living in, they're aware that this is kind of ridiculous. All of these fairy this tale is ridiculous. Tropes. What am I doing here? I'm in the wrong, in the story. wrong story. Like exactly. just enough meta. But the line that they've added for him that I really enjoy is like your hair. I like it like that. I feel like it's like, okay, at least we're like, it feels like Ugh. a very contemporary ad addition, but it was like one of the only things that made me go, oh, well, this is like actually like adding a comedic line instead of something super cloyingly earnest. That's what so. it, everything, even that feels cloyingly earnest to me. It feels like such a like, oh, it that, didn't, that, it felt, it feels maybe, like that might've been entangled. That line might've been entangled. Is Zachary Levi going, oh, what did you do with your hair? I like it. Also, he, give me Zach Levi as one of these princes. Well, you haven't given me a chance to say who's on my list for Rapunzel's hey, Amy Prince. Jo, who's on your list for Rapunzel's well, Zachary Prince? Zachary Levi's definitely you on this You don't list. say. Um, <laughs> but no, what, but to me, maybe it was also just like I was just hearing a very Billy Magnuson read on that line, which is to say mm. just like very uh, Vanya Sonia Moshins, but very him and his stuff that I've seen on Broadway was very funny. Yeah. Um, so Zachary Levi's on this list. I was like, if we were going to go with like Jonathan Groff being in this movie, this is where I would put him. Mm. Um, yeah, totally. And then if this was more like early 2000s, like I think Wayne Brady would be very funny in this part. Beautiful singing voice. He's so funny. Uh, very charming. I think he would be a delight. So yeah. yeah, love it. Yeah. I, I just wish they let, and I get because that's how we are ending his story is a happy ending where him and Rapunzel ride off. Yeah. Because in the show, if you've not seen the show, I mean, the, the agony reprise is Cinderella and Rapunzel's princes coming on. They're now both in love with one with Sleeping, Sleeping Beauty, Beauty, one, one with, with Snow, Snow White. White. And it ends with them being like, ah, oh, well, back, back to, to my, my wife. wife. And it's so funny because you're like, oh, yeah, it's always no one's ever happy. And that's the, the, the whole thing about the show. Yeah. No one's happy with what they have. You're always wishing for more, wishing for different. Yes. Um, And it feels like with him, it feels like such a like, like Billy Magnuson is so good at playing a dim bulb D bag. Yes. And it's like, let him do that and don't have it be this earnest, except for the song Agony, which even that, it just feels like, well, we're just trying to one up each, our, yeah, these yeah, brothers yeah. trying to one up each other. But it's like, no, you're also like, you don't really care about these women. Um, yeah. It's all just about you yourselves. You care about and they do that the experience the of what the experience you're having. But everything else, it feel, you know, he's like diving out of the tower window, holding Rapunzel's hair and is like, nope, that was a mistake. And then crashes yeah, no, into the tower. And it's all that. like kiddie horse shit. Yeah. Um, in, but, in, the, in this recent revival, they did what, I, what I've never seen. So also in the show, Rapunzel, like when she's banished, which I think they she's banished to like a maybe a desert. You would think I would know these things. Anyway, she's not. She's just like banished by the witch. And she bears twins. So she like is walking around like crying, oh, holding yeah. twins. Right, so then right. usually you'll see um, in the finale, you'll see the, the Cinderella, both, both princes going, the harder to wake, the better to have. And then you have the two, you know, Snow White and Sleeping Beauty going, ah, mm. excuse me. When they put them in, uh, often they don't because you don't want to hire other actors. And, and But anyway, in this version, they, they cut that and they had, and I love this, Joshua Henry in his bright pink coat like walking proudly across the stage with a little oldie timey pram for two. <laughs> and it's just so funny. You're like, oh yeah. He's like, I'm a single dad. I got this. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Um, I can see it's 2014. I, I could see Zach Efron in this role. 
Yes. I, like the second banana prince yeah, yeah, yeah. to like the more the baby bigger prince, yeah. Chris Pine or Jake Gyllenhaal type, you know, uh, or put Taron Edgerton here, you know, I think oh, that that'd yeah, be yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, so as for the actors who were up for it in the Rob Reiner version, Brendan Fraser. Okay. All right. Very young Encino Man era Brendan sing. Fraser. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I dig that. Uh, in the Rob Marshall three-day reading, Cheyenne Jackson. Oh, great. Yeah. I mean, it'd be great. Uh, and then this was, so I wasn't sure because I saw that Jake Gyllenhaal was possibly as Rapunzel's prince mm-hmm. or that Jake Gyllenhaal was Cinderella's prince and Chris Pine was Rapunzel's prince and then got bumped up once Jake Gyllenhaal left. Oh, interesting. So I don't know which is the actual case. So it sure. could have been either one. I, I don't really know. Yeah. So I don't know if Chris, I didn't see that Chris Pine was up for Rapunzel's prince as he well. He was going to play a prince. He was going to play a prince. Either way, that man's, that Pine's going to play a prince. Um, you can't spell prince without Pine, Pine if you rearrange some letters and add a few more. Yeah. Let's move on to Jack. Amy Joe, your <laughs> thoughts on Daniel Huddlestone. Uh, he's probably best known besides this is playing Garrosh in the Les Mis movie. That's and, why I know this urchin. <laughs> and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Here's the deal. I feel like both he and Lilla Crawford um, are a little tiny, 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 tiny bit young for this. It's you got to be right on the cusp. It's hard. Um, it's that Disney BS. Disney's I know. like, no, we need some cute kids in this. I know. I mean, like <sighs> Daniel Furland was pretty young when she did it, but she also like who's the original uh, uh, Little Red on Broadway, but she also just like read so dry, you know, that it just yeah. It, and she I was probably. I don't know, I was probably like 13. I could look it up. Um, and then the Jack was like clearly in his 20s. But it, I think that that is fun if it's this kind of like, you know, overgrown kid or like he got really tall really fast and he's still really yeah. young. But like, I don't know. It's just, it's hard. But I I think he does a really great job. He's charming. It's, I, I feel like anything that doesn't work is not this actor's fault. Um, right. And I was like, get this kid in a production of Oliver Stat. He has got artful <laughs> Dodger written all over him. Oh, there you go. Um, So I was like, oh, the only person I could think of, because I was like, I don't know enough kids to cast this. Kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, get me Jack Wilde, artful Dodger from the movie of Oliver, um, <laughs> because he is, you know, canon. He's canon. <laughs> He's canon. And That's put my him only in thought. this 2014 version. I want a man no, in his I 60s. I love how now... Oh, I think he's dead. I love I want a dead man in this now, role. How now? Suddenly uh-huh. in this one episode, you're making fun of me for fantasy casting all over time. When I'm not making fun done. of you. I literally don't like this movie, and I think it could be improved by having uh, wildly inappropriate yeah. age-inappropriate age casting. Mm-hmm, I think, mm-hmm. honestly, it'd be very funny. Uh, um, I, I am like, give me, you know, Christopher Plummer as Jack. I don't care. Um, but no, what I do actually want, I do want someone in their 20s who reads like maybe they're like 17. So at the end when they're like, can I live with you, Baker? It's like, yeah, because you are kind of a little young to go off on your own. But you're also this little, you know, high school aged douchebag. Um, give me a Nicholas Holt. I yeah, that's would a like. Point. Yeah. Or little, our newest, Baby Spider-Man. Give me Tom Holland, who actually would be the right age at the time i don't know exactly how old he would be in 2014 but i think he would be about like 15 16 yeah if you want to feel old um i happen to know for a fact lilla crawford uh is in her senior year at nyu right now um if that if that doesn't really put a moment in time (laughs) into perspective uh and this 
he would have been more age appropriate. But the one other actor I saw who was in the Rob Reiner reading was Elijah Wood. Oh, a little early nineties Elijah Wood. North, North himself, cute as a button. Little North himself. Although apparently he, um, you know, doesn't sing. Um, What? What? Just thinking about was it? Was it on the pod we were talking about it, or was it like one of those Wired videos I was watching where he was talking about some? He auditioned for something where he had to sing, and he was just like, "Oh, it was terrible." Well, the I listener will know. know. We've forgotten everything. Um, I don't. I don't recall it being something. Then it was that just I've me late at night of. watching Wired videos. Oh. On, I wonder on what it was that he had auditioned for. Where he had to sing. I could rewatch, and I'm sure I could find out. Hmm. But well, maybe it was Into the Woods. <laughs> 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 um, but let's move on to talking about Jack. We got to talk about Jack's mother, Amy Joe. Your thoughts on Tracy Ullman, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? She's fantastic. I feel like so often this role is a throwaway, and she. Every moment, she's so great. She's just, I love her in this. And it makes me love the role in a way I feel like I don't often, you know? Yeah, um, totally. And the original, the woman who played it originally is in the movie of Amadeus um, as as uh, Stanzi's oh, mother. Right. That's, that's uh, uh, Brenda, not Brenda Blevin, uh, Brenda Blythe, maybe. Um, regardless... That's the original Jack's mother on Broadway. Um, and she's fantastic, too. But I, I think this performance is is everyone talks about it, this being Meryl and Emily Blunt's movie, which I think is, is pretty correct. But I also think Tracy Ullman is fantastic. Um, my other thoughts, I thought Catherine Tate would be great here. Oh, sure. Um, Imelda Staunton, duh. You know, um, mm. if this were more like early 90s, this would be an Angela Lansbury situation, a famous Sondheim collaborator, you know. Um, and then I was like, eh, more around the era when this was made. I was like, Kathy and Jimmy would be fun. Oh, love that. Love the idea of a Kathy and Jimmy. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Tracy Ullman is so good. She's so lived in. And that is the benefit yeah. with tiny roles like this compared to stage to screen. When you're getting close ups, you're getting like yeah, yeah, these yeah. little interstitial moments her just waking up rolling over and seeing a giant beanstalk like has grown through her window into the bed is just like you know you don't get that as when you're playing the role on stage totally um i did love that i loved being able to actually see the beanstalks and all of that totally yeah there there are fun elements in terms of making this into a film that yeah. the this version of this movie does tick off some of those boxes of the things that i'm glad that we saw in a film adaptation of into the woods I just find a lot of it. It's it, to me. It's just all the Disneyifying has yeah. like, no, ruined the point of this show. Correct. Um, but Tracy Ullman's great, so I'll recommend two other people who are not huge names, at least as far as movies go. Um, Kate Mulgrew. I would oh, like. I would. Yeah. I would want her still doing the Russian accent from Orange Is the New Black <laughs> as no Jack's reason. mother. Just an inexplicable. Uh, what like you trade beans for cow? Like who? How, how stupid are you? Um, or Dale Dickey of uh, Winter's Bone and My Name Is Earl, amongst other things. Wonderful, wonderful character actress who I've never recommended for anything on the show, but she's never not bringing it. You saying Kate Mulgrew makes me actually think of another Orange Is the New Black actress, um, Constance Shulman, um, who plays? Isn't that her last oh, name? Oh yeah, I th- uh, who I plays think Yoga so. Jones uh, yeah. and is the voice of Patty Mayonnaise in the Doug series? Um, mm-hmm. uh, I saw her in a um, the Rose Tattoo. Thank you, and mm-hmm. she's she's delightful. And, yeah, she'd be a great like, Jack's mother. Yeah, yeah, I dig that. Uh, as for the actors who were considered uh, in the Rob Reiner version, Roseanne. Well, the less said about that, the better. I agree, but maybe her 
Roseanne co-star, John Goodman as a potential baker, possibly like in, yeah. in his early, early. I mean, I think career? at that time, they clearly decided to cut the line about him being a small man, although James Corden doesn't seem too oh, tall sure. to me. But um, right. Know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, in the Rob Marshall reading, who was also announced once they originally announced mm-hmm. casting and then couldn't do it, was Allison Janney. Oh, great. <laughs> great. No notes. Uh, no notes, no notes. I mean, she'd be great. I mean, I could see just thinking of that she played, uh, she was in the movie of Hairspray in the role made famous on the stage by Jackie Hoffman. Give me a Jackie Hoffman as Jack's mother. Yeah. I could see Jackie Hoffman smacking this kid upside the head every five minutes. <gasps> and Kathy Bates was in talks. Oh, I, I like that. I like that very much. I do. It does feel like too small of a role for Kathy Bates. Like I want a little, you know, Double her. She also plays the giant's wife. Sure. I mean, often often the actor that they hire to play Cinderella's mother. I mean, this is because Annie Golden is playing this uh, track on Broadway right now. But they'll have the same actor playing Cinderella's mother, the giant, and um, the uh, uh, granny. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. Uh, but let's move on finally to The Witch. Amy Jo, your thoughts on that? Muriel Streep. And who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Here's the deal. This might be heresy. I think she's fine. She's very good, but she's not. It's just, it doesn't do it for me. I get it. She's doing a lot. She's doing she's, the most. I didn't, I didn't remember it from the first time we saw it in theaters, but watching it this time, I was like, you're doing a lot, Meryl. And I, I don't know if you just are, were looking around and seeing I'm the film you were in. I'm glad she's having fun, you know. Yeah. But it's just I wish this performance I saw on a stage. It feels yes. like a lot on film at times. Not not to even mention, as I've talked about her entrances and exits, which are next level banana are, are like jump scares at times in yeah. ways that feel so silly to me. Yeah. Which I get. I get on film. You need to find dynamic ways to bring totally. her in and out of these little like one midnight gone. But it it. It's just weird, but it's, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Please continue. So this is this is Bernadette Peters in the original Broadway cast, and here's the deal. And I was actually having this conversation with someone at work the other day who is much younger than I am, so who did not grow up, who was growing up with a Bernadette who was already like older and a little weirder and more intensely. Um, I don't think Bernadette's become a parody of herself in the way that like some people have, but more that than mm-hmm. when I grew up with her watching like Annie and, and you know, this into the woods a million times um, when she like growing up, knowing her in her prime, which I feel like yeah. is different. I just think you, it is impossible to touch her, you know, like she's so funny. Every line hilarious at city center it was Heather Headley, uh, who I really wish I'd seen it is Patina Miller uh, right now. Patina, is, I mean, she looks incredible. She's got a lot of power. I sometimes feel like Patina is a little on top of the material rather than inside it. So I do feel like Meryl is very like in it, but it's just so much all the time. So I think I just think it's fine. I mean, I don't yeah. know who else they would have gotten at this time who would have been a better option, you know. But so well, like, if, I, I'll I'll tell you soon enough. <laughs> But I don't know if they're going to be a better option. Maybe I will think that. Right. Maybe I'll be right. like, curses. Um, but regardless, if it was the time, Bernadette Peters, obviously. Sure. She's perfect. Sure. Um, yeah. 
I think at some point, I don't want this. Let me be clear. I don't want this. But I think at some point, probably Helen Bonham Carter was in the mix until maybe they um, saw her in Sweeney and were like, no, <laughs> no. Hannah Waddingham on this list, Cynthia Revo on the, this. This is yeah. like, I'm I'm yeah. thrilled that Cynthia is going to be, you know, doing Alphaba um, because I feel like it will just like enable her to be able to do whatever she wants. Thinking back to the Brandy Cinderella, it's like, Put Whitney Houston here. You know, this is oh. this would be a great use of, of what, 90s Whitney Houston. Um, sure. Emma Thompson. I don't really know if she sings, oh. but like this is a great Emma Thompson situation. Yeah. I want to see that. Thinking of her and Cruella. Come on. Come on. Um, who else? Who else? Do I have anyone else on here? Oh, and, and again, like Manny Driver, who I also think would have been great in the stepmother role. I really like think that she would have, you know, I mean, yeah. look, don't ever replace Baranski. Baranski never misses. <laughs> but, um, you know, if you if you had to. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. those are those. OK, are there, hold on. There, there we go. It's 1992. We get as at Christine Baranski, Baker's wife. Great. Baker, Peter McNichol. <gasps> We get an Adams Family Values reunion. Okay. Or an alternative. Gary and Becky Martin Granger. Gary Granger <laughs> and Becky uh, Martin Granger. Yes. Um, David Crummeltz is Jack. Christi- little Christina, baby Christina Ricci is Red. She, yes. <laughs> you can talk to birds. Angelica Houston is the witch. Come uh, on. Raul Julia as anything. In well, he's movie. the wolf in Cinderella's Prince, I feel okay. like. Okay. There you go. There um, you go. And then we have Christopher, Christopher Lloyd. Lloyd is the mysterious man yes. and the narrator. <gasps> we have a movie. <laughs> we have a movie. Okay. And then Joan. Um, or maybe Joan. Well, hmm, maybe Joan's our witch. Or Joan is uh, giant Joan. <laughs> Joan might be the, the stepmother. Joan could be stepmother. But I mean. I, I think I it's want, a bit of but, a waste. But but imagine the giant's wife as Debbie Jelinski, <laughs> Like still in the outfit. With the wig of just the end she, we find everyone. out she she actually killed her husband. Um, she, and she's just come down to electrocute everybody. Yeah. Well, the whole the Malibu Barbie is just a real person because everyone is the size of a Barbie to her. Because Debbie Jelinski is a giantess. Yes, but That's she's basically we, we learn that she's pinning the murder on Jack, but she really pushed her giant husband oh. off the beanstalk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love I think this. We've this got is also here. a murder mystery. I, I dig it. Well, I mean, I you know that it. Debbie Jelinski, you know, killed many husbands. So no, of course. Just... But I mean, make into the woods a mur- that is actually like Jack didn't even kill this giant. We're really screwing with mm-hmm. the whole point of the moral ambiguity of Sondheim's mm-hmm. musical. Mm-hmm. But we already are doing that by Disneyfying it. So why not go full stupid, folks? And then Carol Kane is Jack's mother. We're all set here. We're all set here. all set here. And you know what? I know he's not in Adam's Family Values, but since it's now a murder mystery, who actually killed that giant? Oh, it's our old lovable Peter Falkus Columbo nosing his way in to get to the bottom of this case. Yes, yes, yes. So as for me, for the witch, yeah, I, I mean, I love Meryl and she is, she's always entertaining to me, even yeah. though I don't know what she's doing half the time. Um, and but she to me she crushes last midnight and that is like oh, you really want to nail is, your last moment. I was sitting watching, going, okay, they really have like done this number proud, you know, like it really makes it feel like a big moment, and they give her they they give her the cheesy CGI technical support to actually make it feel like as important as it is, which is harder to do on stage. Um, yeah. How do you, it unless you have a lot of budget? How do you swallow her up? You know, it's harder to do so. Right. Yeah. 
but it did it feel a bit at times watching that number that they were like either whether it was streep or whether it was rob marshall that one or the other was like oh people thought the scarf acting in mama mia was good wait till they see this costume whipping around in this Just wind a full cyclone. whirlwind right um and i mean i i got no one actually good um for this that's not already actually considered so yeah. i'm like give me lady gaga as the witch because why not why not it's basically or, you know witch acting give me john cameron mitchell as hedwig as oh, the witch okay that's what i want i love that's it I want. that's what i want so meryl had instituted a personal no witch rule after she turned 40 and was offered three witch rolls. Oh, no. <laughs> but this is a witch that goes from crone to glam. Well, that's true. But there are many a witch in film that are still a glamorous that's witch. True. But I think that's it was true. just Angelica more Houston, temperamentally. It's like, oh, I see. Now I'm 40. I can only be witches and yeah. mothers and grandmothers. I respect the crap out of that decision. Well, it's funny you say Angelica Houston because that's because it's, you know, Emily Blunt dies. Meryl Streep kills herself or whatever. And then we have almost a full half hour left of the movie still. And I was so distraught that that's I was, when I was you gonna, want to start singing no more, just being like, end it. No more movie. Um, no so more instead, movie, please. So Stop while it now. the movie was going on, I was still paying attention, but I was also using that time to look up other movies. <laughs> Every movie that came out in 1990 and 1991, because Meryl turned 40 in 1989. So I was like, what films could she be talking about? And the only one I could find was The Witches with Angelica Houston. So that must have been one of the ones she was offered. I couldn't sure. see what other witch role like maybe it might have been stuff that also didn't get made you know or yeah or stuff that like took years to get produced right right because i mean like witches of eastwick was 87 like i don't so i don't i don't know i don't know but she was probably up for the witches um but she made an exception to her no witch rule uh because it's sondheim and she was already familiar she'd done sondheim before having participated in the original production of sondheim's the frogs while a student at yale university right around yeah. a pool i think hmm. um so as for the actors who were actually considered set to play the witch in the rob reiner version if we've got robin williams goldie hawn uh elijah wood kyle mclaughlin brendan fraser and as your witch share <gasps> i just got goosebumps <laughs> i love that <laughs> Talk about hair acting. Come on. No, I mean, give me most of that version. Love Goldie. Replace her with Meryl. And that's a movie right there. That's a movie. Less so is in the Columbia Henson version. So we got Billy Crystal. We got Meg Ryan. And Susan Sarandon was up I mean, she would do it in Enchanted. I know. know. I get it. I mean, I get it. But it's not what I want. No, she's 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 a beautifully nuanced actor. And while I would have liked more nuance from Meryl, this is still a musical, you know, so I want a little yeah. more oomph than I'm getting from Sarandon. Yeah. In the three day reading that Rob Marshall did, it was Donna Murphy. So I think that was always like, yeah, I, you know, I liked her in the park, yeah. but I, 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 oh, this is going to sound sacrilegious. I think Donna Murphy's a phenomenal actor. She's just always a little sharp. Um, and I have that it, I struggle with that. Um, uh, but she's, she's great. I also just didn't love the production. It felt very sure earthbound, if you will, um, instead yeah. of magical, but mm, she's you. great. I think she honestly would have been great. And I mean, this movie came out in 2014. So this must have, this reading had to have been like at early at like 
latest, like 2012, I would yeah. imagine, if not yeah. 2011. So this is probably like Donna Murphy, ha- like Tangled has just come out. Yeah. So I was like, oh yeah, Donna Murphy has I already mean, it is been the same in the House of Mouse. Exactly. It's the Mother Gothel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones was considered. Now, I had her, like, in my, like, longer list of actors who sing to maybe put somewhere. And this was the place that it made the most sense to put her. But I was still like, yeah, yeah. it's not quite what I want. I, yeah, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer was considered. That's closer. That's I get, that's I get more temperamentally. I, yeah. I mean, she's really a speak singer based off of Hairspray. Um, and, well, how could you forget Cool Rider? How could I forget Cool Rider? You're so right. Grease 2's Cool Rider. But of course, uh, I take it all back. Make her the witch. <laughs> She's done Cool Rider. She's sung on a ladder. She could be the witch. She's sung <laughs> on a ladder. Uh, Penelope Cruz was considered for the witch. Oh, right. Because he did oh, he did nine. Um, oh, you're right. I was because he'd also she had just done the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie that Rob Marshall directed like a few years before this but let um, us but you're right. i mean she's also let us forget nine. but let us not forget that that nine happened oof, um oof which i've oof. i've only seen parts of i did i did nine like mm, about a year after it came out so i only watched the kate hudson number because that was the part i was playing even though it has nothing to do it resembles in no way the part in the show but um but have you seen the whole movie oh no oh okay. i like nine so i won't sure. you know i don't need to watch okay. the movie you know um, fair enough i think there are I have watched I, the Marion Cotillard to, big number, and I have watched okay. Kate Hudson's atrocity. Um, right. I was about to ask if your considerations between this movie we're discussing and nine, of which is the better of the two, but you, in, I didn't realize you, you didn't, haven't seen into nine. The, without having seen all of nine, I can tell you Dang. it's garbage. Okay. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Oh, without having seen it, you can say I know garbage. that's a strong st- Having <laughs> the parts that I've watched, it's like, what are we even doing here? Um, at least Into the Woods is just like, it's made, it's cheesy and it is dumbed it down, but it's still essentially mm-hmm. the same show as opposed yeah. to like nine where it's like, what are we doing? Oh, all right. Well, all that said, I'm interested in a Penelope Cruz witch. Yeah, sure. I'd be, I would like it. Uh, Adina Menzel was considered. <sighs> no, thanks. Okay. No yeah. thanks. I get it. I get it. But I also I can see it. Uh, Miranda yeah, yeah. Richardson. Okay. Was now considered. I'm now I'm interested. I mean, so good in so many things. I'm of for you, listener. If you read a Skeeter in the Harry Potter movies, if uh, nothing else, of course, Black Adder, Sleepy Hollow, many many things. Love that Miranda Richardson. She's in the hours. You know, she's great. And she's in the hours for a little bit. Uh, Sissy Spacek was considered which is, i'm like i i love sissy space sex well now i'm like what about piper Laurie? <laughs> um <laughs> interesting why not why not know. get piper Laurie? i don't know yeah kate winslet was considered for the witch and it is easy to forget that like you know how old was bernadette peters actually during that production yeah, it's like that's the thing it's like yeah. it is the like this is who since, i truly she spends, am I mean, Patina Miller is like my age. You know? Well, exactly. But that's the point is that half yeah. of your movie, she's supposed to be just beautiful, glamorous witch. Yeah. And with Meryl, they give her this amazing costume and she's Meryl. So she still looks yeah. amazing. But she, she is, is grander. But she is like, yeah, I'm in my 60s. You can, exactly, you can cast someone who is, I mean, 2014, Kate Winslet, I think, is still in her early 40s. But that's, maybe pro- that's 30s, probably but, about, oh, Bernadette. I don't yeah. know how much. Bernadette was probably like 40s, yeah. early 40s. Regardless. I'm liking it as the casting yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for Kate Winslet. 
Although I would like Kate Winslet better as the baker's wife. I agree. But she's also, she's great. So Bernadette Peters was born in 48. So in, in like 87, yeah. she, yeah, she would have been. Perfect. So she was like. Great. 39, 40. Yeah. Instead, in 2014, Kate Winslet was in this movie, A Little Chaos, which was directed by and co-starring Alan Rickman. So she was getting a little Sense and Sensibility reunion. And it's like, do Into the Woods movie or go get to act and be directed by Alan Rickman. And I think that's it. Easy answer every time. Uh, And Nicole Kidman was considered, which... No. 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 No, no, no. For... Um, so many nicole is great (laughs) but why do we let her do everything uh (laughs) um she's also in that memento ripoff before i go to sleep with colin firth in 2014 this uh grace of monaco movie as where she's playing grace kelly that is critically reviled uh and she's in paddington (laughs) which she is supposed to be quite good in that she's the villain in that first very charming paddington movie so much better choice for her in my opinion so those are all the characters we found other casting options for. There are a few characters we didn't mention. I want to briefly touch on them. We've talked about her a bit. Lilla Crawford as Little Red, uh, who that is who Anna Kendrick thought that she was being brought in to read for originally when they reached out to her to be like, we're doing Into the Woods. She was like, so oh, funny. for Little Red? Um, because she knew that it's typically played oh, by. The, I just remembered the the version that I went in for. They were like, we'd also be interested in having you like sing for Little Red. Because they just thought it would be, I was, listen, this was 2010. So I was like, you know, in, in my mid twenties, um, and six feet tall and six feet tall. And yeah. they were like, that would be funny. You have a big brassy sound. And I was just like, I do not want to do that. Like, I get it. Right. I was like, but I, I, for me, I was like, I'm not interested. So then they ended up casting my friend Alicia, who had played Dorothy in Wizard of Oz the summer before with me. It was like tiny and hilarious, you know? So it was like, I, you know, I, but I get it. I get going in it in an older direction to but on camera it is tricky it's like what do you want to where do you want to hit a tween you know true but i i could have used a little older although uh not stated by disney or anyone else except for this person in the representatives but uh sophia grace brownlee the the british singer who's been on ellen as like a little baby tiny little girl and she was singing Nicki minaj online and then her cousin rosie was like her hype man basically she like didn't really do anything and so sophia is like <laughs> singing and then rosie's just there like waving her arms as i oh, recall brother. i haven't watched those videos in years but i was like who is this because originally this was i guess announced by her reps or something but it was like they announced that she'd been cast as little red in the movie no one else had said that she, she was, was cast very and young like so she yes yeah, so she like would have been 10, 10 yeah, at the no, time no, lilla no, crawford no. was 13 yeah um yeah and lilla still looks very young she has a round face so like even like and she had just played annie on broadway like kids a pro you know so like she right she even now like uh a few years ago she she played um judy garland in some uh like musical oh. about her life when she would have been a little older than judy garland was at the time but that kind of same round face like kind of looking younger than maybe she yeah. actually is so it's like you're also dealing with that where it's like the actor is really like a young teen but you kind of can't place the age you know right as opposed to yeah. a 10 year old which is yeah too young. No. i'm already like these kids are too young there's too much of like you know disney cute kid nonsense yeah. that we don't that doesn't belong in this 
property no. um, and to have a 10 year old is so like the last thing I want. I just had a thought. Okay. So she's like from Essex, this little girl, like that was part of the fun is she's got this like broad Essex accent. And so like there's videos of her having tea with Russell Brand, who's also from Essex. I was just like, Russell Brand as the wolf is fun to me. That's a very easy... I mean, Russell Brand... I did think Russell Brand. I did think Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking of his little Pirelli cameo in uh, the Sweeney Todd movie. Um, well, he also is Tenardier, lest we forget. You know? Oh, you're right. He's the Tenardier. Uh, I, I do have one other actor who was up for a role in the Rob Reiner version. So clearly this would have been an actual role because it is not in the movie. But Danny DeVito was set to play the giant. <laughs> That's fine. I see what they did there. <laughs> so maybe maybe um, Re Perlman is the giantess in that version. <gasps> That's I fun. See. I love it. We have Rapunzel, Mackenzie Mousy, who's done, been on the Broadway stage in Next to Normal and Tale of Two Cities. Oh, that's why I know her name. Okay. I haven't, I didn't see, I certainly didn't see Tale of Two Cities, but I also didn't, I didn't see Next to Normal. I didn't see either. Yeah. But I think she's perfectly, she's perfect in what she's required she's, to she's do lovely. in, in yeah. the film. Um, we have, I mean, Christine Baranski, Lucy Punch, and Tammy Blanchard. What a perfect trio. Like, I'd, I'd forgotten that they were in this. And then when Lucy Punch, who I am always happy to see, appeared on screen, I was like, standing ovation for these casting decisions like because christine Bar- i was like oh right of course christine Bar- lucy punch i think is just one of those people that I, like i guess she's got that series of unfortunate events show and everything but i just like really wish she would hit harder because i think she is always so funny and i think they're also yeah. great they're very entertaining um man that whole just the whole scene of <laughs> them cutting like, the, the yes off. because yeah. it's all i could think of all i could think of was a romeo and michelle's high school reunion when she's like i've got to leave my shoe is filling up with blood um <laughs> because i'm like they go right from like the shoes on each it's like cuts off the one of lucy punch's like pinky toe to make it fit but it doesn't really fit so then they cut off the heel of tammy blanchard to get it in the shoe no no they cut off tammy blanchard first because lucy punch does oh, this you're right, great you're thing right, you're with right. her lips where it's barely in frame but she's like pushing tammy blanchard down like you hold still darling <laughs> and her lips are doing this thing where she's like trying not to smile i was just like count on lucy punch to be only like an iota of her body in frame and still be storytelling i just loved it but then they go right to put it on Anna Kendrick's feet. And I'm like, that shoe is full of blood. Well, And in the original version, they have him like literally turn the shoe upside down and just like pour fake blood out of it. It's so funny. And of course, like they've cut the agony reprise. So we don't hear that Cinderella's Prince also has a thing about blood, um, right. which makes this right. scene really funny. Because then he's like, you know, <laughs> uh, we we got this little cameo version of the mysterious man with Simon Russell Beale as oh, the love, baker's father. Yeah. I love Simon Russell Beale. Um, and I'm assuming that even if they were to have the narrator, these would still be two different roles. Yeah, probably. Um, because in earlier drafts, the narrator was still a part of the movie before they decided to excise this. And before the role was written out, many actors were either considered in talks or asked to play the role. And perhaps some of these were in the original early 90s version. I don't know if some of them were for the, this Rob Marshall version because it, the, everything I saw about it did not say one way or the other. But these were actors that were considered or in talks at some point or another. Jeremy Irons as our narrator, mm-hmm. Christopher Plummer, Jeffrey Rush, James Earl Jones, John Cleese, which that is the energy that I like of yeah, someone who sure. is like... 
That's, I mean, John McMartin played it in the 2002 revival, which is right. like very similar. I mean, yeah. give me Kevin Klein as the narrator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then get him, let him get stomped by a giant. Uh, Michael Caine, mm. Michael Gambon, and Alan Rickman. All and great. rumors about giving the role to a woman, such as Julie Andrews. Or oh. Angela Lansbury. Well, both who've narrated things, you know, and Julie Andrews, of course, is the narrator voice in Enchanted, which is really fun. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But any of those I would have liked. I really think having a narrator that could really, especially if like you can for them have the performers then arguing with this VO narration about like, what do you like? What do you mean? There's like, ways what do you to mean? make it I'm, work. This hideous witch. Like, what are you talking about? There's it needs to be more of a full blown comedy until it is not. Yeah. Instead of this like sweet saccharine. There are so nonsense. many belly laugh lines in this. Like, and that was the fun thing about seeing this production with, with like a ca- an audience of people that were so excited to be there, like just hyped on a Tuesday night, packed, screaming, yeah. so excited. And there, but there are all these laugh lines and gasp lines that uh, there were enough people that hadn't seen it before, but it, like it still really works. Why did we cut so much of the stuff that we know works? And then why did we dampen it? It feels like a wet blanket was just thrown over so many of these line readings and performances. I agree. But final thoughts, Amy Jo, anything we haven't touched on, any other roles that popped out at you? No, I could talk about this for conservatively six more hours, but I think I've said my piece. (laughs) I'll leave it at that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I'll end with this. Uh, Sondheim found renewed success after Merrily We Roll Along kind of didn't really take off um, his previous uh, show before this um but he did attempt to dabble in video games with into the woods their show was set to be adapted as a cd-rom game intended to teach music to kids and adult players uh entertainment weekly reported in 1994 the game was pending permission from columbia Pictures, so columbia was still involved in trying to make it into a movie and sondheim felt into the woods had a built-in game in the plot since his main characters go on a quest uh but as he said there's nothing to solve in guys and dolls or oklahoma except who's gonna take laurie to the picnic sondheim (laughs) choked and how this quest would have been integrated with music education is fascinating unfortunately the game was never produced so we all could have been playing in into the woods the hit video game and you know i would have been i would have had that cd-rom queued up every day i've been like step aside mist it's time for into the woods amy joe jeff what you recommending this week i'm gonna recommend an album that i that i discovered this week that has kind of blown my mind um that just came out sorry i'm flipping to the right page um it's called vortex by terrence etc and this is the like recording name of Terrence Nance, who's a filmmaker. Um, I think he's most known for random acts of flyness, but he's also like oh. directed a bunch of stuff. Anyway, I I have been just trying to more actively listen to music uh, that I don't know. And someone had let, so now if anyone recommends anything on Instagram, I just download it and like come back to it later. So I just like picked a track and I so I would say start if you're just like I'm just gonna listen to one because there's a lot of really long tracks on this but it's like so genre bending and so uh, unbelievable I would say if you're just like oh I just maybe want to listen to one track and see how I feel about it listen to Sanity Envy Mm. I was listening to I just like I couldn't believe my ears like just the uh, (laughs) it's so uh, playful and expressive and wild and like I don't know I loved it so it is Vortex 
by Terrence, etc. And I would say start with the track Sanity Envy if you're not going to, if you don't have the time to like do a straight listen through. Amazing. Jeff. Amy Jo. What you recommending? I'm going to recommend a book this week. I'm going to recommend The Night Circus by Erin Morgenstern. What a great recommend. It sure is, which was recommended to me by you, Amy Jo. Oh, gosh. But think of this, uh, you know, magical, fantastical film that we were talking about. This is a very fun uh, fantasy romance about this, just like this magical circus that uh, winds up just um, really capturing, like, the imagination of all of these various people whilst also being a battleground for this like decades long rivalry between these two magicians and this it's also a love story it's there's so much going on but it's such a fun read and is like the kind of magic and fantasy and romance that I'm looking for after having watched this disappointing film yes. so I'd recommend The Night Circus and that's what we're recommending this week da 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 do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at analmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. Follow us on Instagram to see our shenanigans and which movies we're doing next week at and almost starring. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see Who Almost Starred.